Hey, everybody. Welcome. Sitrep 2020. We've got a uh, special guest tonight, Jamie Walden. Uh, he is the uh, the writer of uh, Omega Dynamics, and we're happy to have him on here because we really feel like uh, the Lord has called us down the, the same kind of walks where it's empowering people into spiritual warfare and, and building up and getting a relationship closer with God. But thank you for being here, Jamie. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, gents. It's a, it's a pleasure. And it, anything that has to do with strengthening and equipping the body of Christ, I'm on it. <laughs> it's good to yeah. good to see you. Ian, how you doing, man? I've been better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, I'm trying to get this thing functioning. Well, I know we got a lot of people in the chat room, but it's telling me we have zero people here. I'm just, you know, dealing with that kind of stuff right now, trying to make sure it's working. Gotta love that. Yeah, they're coming up in the comments. It was sunny for like a day here. And I, it's sad. It's like golf now where you can have literally the worst day of your life and then one good hole, like you want to come back. You know, it's like we had one sunny, beautiful 70 degree day here in Ohio yesterday. And today it's pouring rain and dark and cloudy, cold again. And everyone wants to kill themselves. Yeah, that's that's mid left mid Midwest living, bro. That's how it is here in Iowa. It's like I hate my life, and actually, I feel like an abusive parent for raising my kids. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I spend so much time in like Montana and Colorado and other places. I'm like, and even out on out on the East Coast on the Outer Banks in North Carolina, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm a horrible parent. I can't believe I'm raising my kids in the same place that I detest so so horribly. You know, so I get it, man. Oh man, speaking of bad parenting, I, I we took a drive yesterday just because there would be like we're, everybody's been cooped up, right? So we got sick in our house in like February. So before all this COVID stuff went down, we had the flu. One of my kids got it, and then every two weeks, one of us, and then the last four of us got it on the same day, and and it was horrible. It was like nice. the worst yeah. we got it all out of our system. But needless to say, we've been inside since February. Well, they have. I go outside, but like my kids and stuff, they like haven't been outside to do anything. They haven't gone to the stores. They haven't done anything. And like we took a drive yesterday. They're like, can we roll our windows down, dad? And we stick, they're sticking their hands out the windows, you know? And I I feel like. You're like, no, no, you'll get the Corona. Archie said you'll get the Corona. Don't, don't roll down the windows. They're like, can we go in the store? No, you can't go in the store. You're not, don't look at that person weird. He's wearing a mask. Why is he wearing, you know, it's like, (laughs) this whole thing is like creepy for kids, man. They're like, why is everyone wearing a mask? Don't talk about the Corona. You know, it's like. It's, yep, I hear, you hear us talking like this is BS. This is all stupid, you know, like, uh, and then they're not old enough to really, you know, six is the oldest in my house right now. So she yeah. can't, she's just like repeating us and like with authority over her little siblings. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> yeah, my little, my, I have, I have my little crew of conspiracy theorists as well, too. Every time <laughs> my mom, my mom and dad babysit them, they're like, oh my goodness, your kids. Are <laughs> they, they said they couldn't watch X Men with us because it was transhumanism and it was predictive programming for the end times. And I go, yeah, it, it is. That's why they can't watch it. See, I'm like, it's good to know they've been listening. All right. They know what's happening. They know what's up. How old are your kids? Uh, they're 11 to uh, 8. Oh, we're close together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fun age. Well, challenging. <laughs> I have uh, four girls and one boy. My boy is three. Oh, yeah. All my girls are old. Well, yeah, they're not all old, but I have some. I have some teenagers that are. It's a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. 
in this world is terrible. It's a terrible place. So yeah, that's where we, we, my wife and I and my kids, where we recently came out of was the mission field. We were uh, missionaries in the Dominican Republic and we were working at a therapeutic, I can't even talk tonight, dude, a therapeutic boarding school for teens, but they're actually American, like North American. So American and Canadian and European teenagers would get sent down there to our boarding school where they're unplugged from the yeah. toxic American culture, no technology, no nothing. And all it is is like intensive discipleship and some adventure type stuff. And then like intensive fi- family counseling. And man, these kids are jacked up. The We have no idea what's what, when, when I was down there with them and I know I'll probably end up going on a rabbit trail now, you know, so up to that point, I'd been, I'd been studying, studying this, this stuff, right. For, for a decade prior to that. So I have pretty, pretty in-depth working knowledge of all the plans of the global elite, Luciferian, all the different uh, um, implementations of occultism from uh, Thelema and Theosophy and on through. And it's trickled down into education system, you know, Hollywood and predictive programming, mainstream media, vaccination industry, right? You name it. Any, any, of, the, any of the control mechanisms, this, this giant hive mind that they're trying to create of, of lawlessness towards the, the, the living God. So... I, I had been studying that forever and I'm thinking like, you know, I'm kind of disconnected at that point in my life. I'm in my mid thirties, you know, and, and I'd been a Marine, I'd been a cop, I'd been a firefighter paramedic. I'd got my college degree, did all these different things, had a couple of different businesses and then went down there. So I, I'm, I'm not, I don't have my finger on the pulse of, of the next generation. And other than I've been studying what they are doing and, and their multi-generational plan and after working with the teenagers down there, I, I mean, my wife and I would talk about it regularly. We were shocked. We, I mean, I was like, my jaw dropped talking to the kid, to these kids. I lived with them. You know, I was their in-house house parent. I was their, their, their dad. And my wife was their mom while they were down there. They're down there for about a year at a time. And, and um, it was, it's horrifying the reality and coming to the realization that these aren't future tense things that they're seeking to implement, that they have a desire to, it's a done deal. It is done. They are the third generation and it is utterly done. And these were, these weren't outlier teenagers. These were, these were upper middle-class to upper-class kids, ones who could afford to even be sent to, to a place like that, right. By their families from Christian homes, because it's a Christian missionary, it's a Christian ministry, you know, mission field, uh, so they come from quote unquote Christian home, super loose word, by the way, uh, when you're talking about that. But and and the depravity and the depth of their lawlessness and attunement to all things, all things perverse, all things demonic, all things occultic, all things uh, um, pharmacological, all things of a, of a generated hive mind. It was insane. It was insane. I had 15 year olds down there from that, that had erectile dysfunction because of what they've been exposed to. I had 17 year olds that, that knew how to operate so intimately on the dark web that they got anything and everything they ever wanted shipped directly to their house without their parents ever knowing it. And they would, I mean, these guys were quote unquote, you know, they're like ballers and they're in their reality and their little rich white preppy, you know, private schools and stuff like that, but they're ballers. They had access to anything and everything. And I, I worked with in the boys home for part of the time and the girls home as well. 
and they are a hive mind. They all knew the same memes, the same things, the same songs, the same garbage trap rap, the same perverse, you know, whatever porn video that was going around. They all been Snapchatting their private parts since they were 12 years old to, to one another, you know, starting in elementary school. They're all bisexual. They all experimented in every, every aspect of perverse sexuality that could be. And every single one of them until they met me was clamoring for uh, everything that had to do with the dark arts clamoring for it it was yeah. their every waking reality they knew they knew more than 99.9 percent .9 of evangelical christians in the nation about occultism but it was all for the wrong reasons and yeah. again the, these kids were not outliers they were just normal they were just normal kids it's yeah. crazy it's dude. the nation of the hierarchy man yeah isn't that that's that's what uh blavatsky when they were trying to push they said that that at some point they were going to I remember who was it that said the the statement said if you take God out of schools, give us the children, they're going to be able we're going to be able to control that generation. And then yeah. they moved on to this this concept of you know exposing them to every what was it that was in the externalization yeah, of the hierarchy abomination. Yeah, the um, what she Blavatsky made a prophecy uh, in twenty in uh, not twenty seventeen nineteen seventeen that said that uh, they had a time window right then. This is right be, right during the World War One time frame that if they couldn't do the, what they were trying to do with theosophy was raise this vibration the the entire thing to jump to this next level if they didn't succeed then they would have another chance in 100 years uh-huh you look at us man i mean well, this yes. is and they said the one thing that was interesting in that prophecy what she said was uh in order to be successful the next time which was this past this is this time right now that they had to um utilize the mystery of Golgotha to their advantage Dude, no, that. dude, look at, I mean, you just explained it. I mean, and it, it's real, dude. It is sick and real and it's unbelievable. Like you just said everything that, you know, I've been thinking in my head for the last two years. I'm so scared for my kids because like you, you just, every single one of these kids, even in the, the church kids that claim to be church kids, no yeah. occult secrets. Yeah, well, they're not they're not secrets anymore. I mean, yeah. this is the externalization of the higher. You know, this is the exoteric future that has been revealed, and this is part of ritual. The baptism of in in the ritual initiation rituals, this baptism into this new life. This is what's happening. They've baptized our children, this next generation. That's why I think it's so important what we're trying to do here. With you, you're trying to do on your side, and we're trying to do on our side is raise up this generation. That is battle ready, man. And that means right. having been in firefights, yep. been in warfare situations, not just knowledgeable, but actually taken the fight to them. You know, well, and, I mean, and, here, and here's here's a, here's a, the true and good word is that the reality was and man, dude, if you want to understand, we could I could talk for an hour on on where we're at as a church age too. Oh my god! Oh yeah, absolutely. Anyways, yeah. besides the point, we got a long time. Go by ahead. The way, by the way, I was fired from being a missionary down there for talking about Jesus too much and talking about these things, wow. even though even though I we saw more kids get freedom from bondage and from the powers of darkness and have authentic confession and repentance of sins and remission and and come under the blood of Christ and devour their body. I mean, they the the. Boy, the boys and girls that were under my charge were devouring the word more than I've ever seen any pastor whose leadership I've been under yeah. uh, because because I had them I had them cornered. Right. They didn't have it. They didn't have any other distractions. So and so 
um, where I'm going with this is that I, I would fire hose them and not withhold any, any great truth as revealed by scripture and revealed obviously through, through studying and through research and stuff like that. I withheld nothing from them. I didn't, I didn't talk, try to reduce it to their level and reduce it to their, to the, where they're at in their life and make it relevant, make it whatever. It's like just fire host them every day with the, with the radical truth, the power of the truth and the power of the Holy spirit at work and the power of the word. And, and I never had to pry anything out of these kids' hands. They threw it off. Yeah. They threw it. They said they were, and they were like, I had no idea. Everything from sex, the premarital sex, and the marriage aspect of it, and the covenantial stuff, and the blood of Jesus Christ, and then the blood, and how the blood's related to this, and all that attributes of the blood, and, and the harmonic resonance of these things. And you're right. And then, and then Hollywood, and the imagery, and the predictive programming, and the transhumanism movement, and the occultic movement, and the, you know, from anything from Marina Abramovich to, to, you know, all the Lady Gaga, Katy Perry crap and on through the music industry or the Hollywood. And I'm like in the, in the gaming world. And I'm like, every single aspect of your reality is specifically to consume your flesh and your eternal spirit. Yeah. And they're like, I had no idea. I'm like, what you think is fun. What you think has zero consequences. What you think is the norm is actually the most radical horrific psyop that's coming into his convergent zenith right now in your generation you are the enemy's most valued target you are yeah. high value target number one to the enemy and it is a done deal and so i would lay it all out nephilimic genesis 6 genesis 18 whatever man i didn't withhold anything from you you see these kids mouths drop and just openly i mean i mean they're like get it off of me I didn't, not all of them, not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them were like, get it off of me. I want nothing to do with it. And it was cool. You know, I got to see, you got, got to be a part of seeing, you know, I, I don't know, at least 20 of the students request to be baptized and literally take them down to the river down there in the jungle and baptize them, you know, and, and, and they would just eat their word and memorize their word. And it was so cool, man. And it was all because of truth. So it comes back to that attribute of being a freedom fighter, right? Y'all know the truth and the truth will set you free. And whatever the spirit of Christ is, there is freedom, right? And so it, it's, it is all about this intrinsic God-given, uh, uh, innate desire that human beings have for freedom but just like a pavlovian dog we grow so accustomed to our oppression right or or even to to the cold rusty fetters of our own sin and our own flesh that's always worn against the spirit uh that that we just acquiesce to it and we sit and rest in it not realizing that we are literally created for freedom you know and that that even i mean it, i can tie in all kinds of different points but talking about the i was talking about the american revolution with a buddy of mine earlier today and, and he was saying that, you, did you know that it was only 1% of the nation that rose up during the American Revolution? I said, well, my degree's in history and law enforcement. So I'm like, yeah, I know. Not only was it just 1%, uh, uh, um, but the other 90, it was actually 3%, but the other 97% were loyal to the crown of England. Yeah. So, not, so, so they were fighting against their own people that were actually still loyal to the crown. Why? Because there's financial gain, security, comfort, complacency, which goes to Amos 5. Woe to the complacent uh -huh. who feels secure on, on, on Mount Zion and in Samaria. Woe to you complacent, you know. But, but I said not only, not only was it 1% that defeated the greatest empire in the world at that time, you know who led the revolution. He said who? And I said the pulpits. 
The good shepherds in the pulpits led the revolution because as they're reading the word and as they're pouring over the word and as they're walking in the fear of the Lord and because they fear the Lord, they're, they're becoming wise. And because they fear the Lord, they therefore hate wickedness. And because they fear the Lord, they know that their children are supposed to be mighty in the land. And because of they fear the Lord, they despise a vile man, but they honor those who fear the Lord, right? All these are attributes that are an outpouring of those who fear the Lord. So because these these pastors and these shepherds of that day feared the Lord above all else as they're reading their word and they're consuming the word and they're being a workman, a uh, uh, one who rightly devised the word of truth. They're going, oh, my goodness, we actually have a God given mandate for freedom. And we are under an Egyptological Babylonian Sumerian Phoenician control matrix that completely detest God. And because it detests God, it ought to detest us. And God hates oppression and slavery and tyranny and bondage, spiritually, physically, emotionally. It doesn't matter in what form it comes. So the, that's why the pastors led the revolution, because they knew that God's desire is for freedom, not freedom so that you can live in licentiousness, licentiousness, not freedom so that you can so that you can trample underfoot the grace of Christ. Right. Like in a hyper grace type of mind, mindset, but a but a freedom from from the bondage and slavery of of your carnality and of your flesh and of and of and of the death and decay that's rooted to it. you have the freedom to choose to walk with the lord right we know like beforehand you had an obligation it says you were a slave to sin but now you do not have an obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do for if you live by it it's dictate surely you will die but if by the power of the spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. Like in Christ, you no longer have an obligation to do what your flesh is urging you to do. That doesn't mean you're not going to. You're just not a slave to it, right? You're, you, you have the freedom to turn, to flee from it. You have the freedom to come into the throne room of grace in the ever-present time of need, to come boldly and confidently. In the throne. You, have, you have the freedom of, of Christ in you and the power of Christ in you to take every thought captive and make an obedient to Christ. You have a lot of freedoms in Christ, right? So like, so that's, that's the challenge even to the body of Christ in this day and age is to live as, as a people of freedom, because it makes much of your King when you live freely. That doesn't mean that you don't do a righteous man stumble seven times still he'll rise again. That doesn't mean that you don't stumble. That doesn't mean that you don't fall. That doesn't mean that your flesh and your spirit aren't warring incessantly within you. They're going to. Paul said that like they warned. I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do. And I'm such a wretch, you know, yeah. but what it means is that we we have freedom from the fear of condemnation. But and therefore, because of that, we also have the freedom to Praise God for the grace that he's shown us through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Stand anew, confess, right? Repent, stand anew in the power of Christ Jesus and keep advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have been given a great commission, a commission, a great commission. That's a military appointment. A commission is an authorized military appointment. We have been given literally a great commission under the charge of the captain of our salvation, Christ Jesus, under the greater charge of the commander in chief, Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God Almighty, to to and, and we have been foreknown and chosen to do something in this generation. That's why you have words like the Great Commission and to advance the gospel and good soldiers of Christ and fight the good fight, right? No greater love is there than this than a man will lay down his life for his friend. That's a battlefield axiom, right? There's all these things like uh, you think I came to bring peace. I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. The Son of Man was manifest for this reason that he might destroy the works of, of the evil one, right? And Christ Jesus, the rider on the right horse, the next time you see him, he is not coming as a suffering servant. 
He's coming as Messiah ben David, the coming conquering king, the lion of the tribe of Judah for, who rides on who rides on a white horse from on high, and he rides out to make war. And we, as the redeemed of the Lord, have literally been enlisted and written into the front line of this battlefield, this cosmic battlefield, this cosmic narrative that's been raging since Genesis 1-1 and before that and all the way to Revelation 22-21, right? I mean, the world was tohu and bohu without form and void. That presupposes warfare, right? So literally, we are born in Genesis 15. I'll put warfare between the sea of the servants and the sea of the womb. Like, you're literally born into this battlefield. But now in Christ Jesus, you wage war. You wage this war out from a position of victory already bought and paid for by the imperishable blood, the incorruptible, imperishable blood of Jesus Christ. Like, do something with it, man. Like, get off your butt and get in the fight. You know, like, be like Phineas in Numbers 25 where it says, like, his zeal, like zeal consumed him, right? He was zealous for the honor of the Lord, just like Christ Jesus, zeal for my father's house consumes me. We, we are to be a zealous people that are consumed for the glory of the king and for the souls of our brothers and sisters of humanity and, and the freedom of our brothers and sisters who are in Christ, but still walk in bondage every day. Like we should be zealous for them, right? And get in the stinking fight because we, we can tell how late the hour is, right? I mean, yeah. dude, Come on. I mean, I mean, what's being rolled out right now is so radical. It's like the most ginormous, gargantuan, uh, uh, a prophetic step forward since Israel became a nation in 1947, 1948 with the Balfour Declaration and, and then the creation of the Internet. So you go that that. Oh, here we go. I mean, dude, what's being rolled out right now? You better wake up, ladies and gents. It's going it's going down. So solidify yourself in Christ alone that you might actually be among those of who it says, but those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Amen. All right. Well, that's all we have for the show. <laughs> Jamie covered more than we do our normal two and a half hour show. He hammered it out there, man. So I, I just had a throw in a couple of things because you were, you were talking about the children and you said that they were primarily middle-class coming from Christian homes. Yeah. So when I look at the parable, it talks about, you know, the, 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 the parable where they, you know, the, the, the wicked servant came in or I'm sorry, I'm misquoting it, but he came in and he see, he planted seeds while the, while the, uh, the master was sleeping. Right. So I believe that's a like multi-level. And if you, if you kind of look at this, like, the, the enemy does that and you know in our there's there's a lot bigger uh, spectrum to what that means but on a spiritual level uh, do you feel like i mean the church and and the families were they sleeping and then just letting their children get away because i've heard this many times before is people say well you know i was raised up under roman catholicism or whatever and then i kind of found my own way so i want to let right. my kid just figure it out well, my experience with that has been, and it's, it's, it's funny because anybody that I've ever seen that, that like said that about their kids, you know, people that I grew up with and then their children, they ended up following the exact same path. It becomes this esoteric, like into kind of like a kind of Hinduism, kind of yoga, Kabbalah mixed it's with some Thelema. occult stuff. Yeah. It's like this. They just don't know what is Thelema. Right. And the world just kind of teaches them what they want them to hear. They never, they never just seek out and find right. stuff unless God intervenes. But I mean, we, we talk over and over and over again about a Joshua generation. And I, I guess I'd like, I truly believe that, yeah, we are in the, in encroaching or, in, you know, like we're seeing the birth pains, the beginning of them, and we're coming to a time, whether it's 10, 
15, five years from now, where things are going to really start progressing and getting faster and faster. And we're going to be seeing the end time generation. But I believe that our children and that, you know, these, this generation that's below us, man, they're, they're, they're just, they have a thirst and a hunger that God has instilled in them because they are a very important generation. But if you don't teach them, if you don't expose them to it, if you don't raise them in it, then the world teaches them and they are, they just get that hunger for the occult. Just, just like Jamie yeah. was saying. And, and that goes back to, to um, the, the warrior priesthood and actually being, you know, we're, we're told that we're, that we're a holy people or, I mean, a, a, a royal people, a holy nation, a, a royal priesthood, a people all of his own. That when you look at the, the juxtaposition all throughout scripture of high, the, the men who, who actually carried out their, their high priestly calling as the heads of their families well versus those who don't. You have like, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Moses or an Abraham or or um, like a Samuel versus an Eli who, who knew about the wickedness that his sons were doing, but didn't correct him because he was a coward. Or you have the men in Jeremiah 44 where, where God says, I'm actually coming to judge you because your women are baking cakes to the queen of heaven, right? Semiranish, Ishtar, Astaroth. Blah, blah, blah. And, and, and he says, so I'm coming because your women are doing that. But what was the women's response? Just like even the Garden of Eden, they say our, our husbands knew we were doing it and they never corrected us. So actually the judgment befalls on the husband. So then you even go into Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, making her pure and spotless. I'm totally butchering it. And the bottom line, he says, and so, so that she'll be pure and spotless, radiant, a radiant before me. Husbands have a high priestly calling to make sure that their wives are radiant. You know, you have you have other other um, high priestly callings like uh, uh, Psalm seventy eight, where the men are told specifically, right? They got to satisfy their 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 priesthood, their warrior priesthood, uh, with their families that they must tell the next generation about the ways of the Lord so that they will not be stiff necked and rebellious like their forefathers and reject him. And it says specifically that they are to teach them the fear of the Lord so that they might walk in his ways and keep them. So if we fail in our, in our priestly calling, if we fail in, 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 in our, in our duties and our responsibilities and our burden of command, that's a military axiom. Again, that it's a burden of command. We have a burden of command on us. We have a burden of command as a body of Christ to carry forth, to hold out, to hold out a light like bright shining stars in the universe to a crooked and perverse generation. We have a burden of command, right? To to uh, be ambassadors of, of the Lord God Almighty. We have a burden of command to live fearlessly and boldly, right? Like like Paul was constantly requesting prayer for. Pray that I may be fearless and bold as I should be, right? As as an ambassador in chains for Jesus Christ. Uh, we we to have a we have a burden of command of an eager expectation of fearlessness. I eagerly expect that I will in no way be ashamed, but that now as always, I will have sufficient courage so that Christ may be exalted in me, whether by life or by death. Like we ought to have that expectation. So when we forfeit our priestly duties, like an Eli or like all those other wicked kings and judges and stuff like that, or Saul, when we forfeit, this is what we get. And speaking of the soils, I, I mean, the reason why I saw what I saw with my students is is uh um and they're you know coming from quote unquote uh christian homes i'll, I'll break it down barney style because what you said is all true but I'll, I'll just break it down barney style like like even a little bit more the bottom line is that this church age is is like 
they're like Charlie dancing down the red rug at the Wonka factory saying they got their golden ticket. And they, yeah. and they have no regard for the things of the Lord. They absolutely have no fear of the Lord. They have no awe of the Lord. They completely uh, reject his commands and decrees. You know, it says in Jeremiah 6, uh, uh, God speaking, and he's like, to whom can I give, to, to whom can I speak and give warning? Their ears are closed so they do not hear. My word is offensive to them. So the people want nothing to do with it. Same in Isaiah 30, you know, they say, they say they're, the people are talking to the, to the, to the prophets and the pastors of the day. And they say, prophesy illusions, tell us pleasant things, get out the way, just stop confronting me with the Holy One of Israel. Right. So when you're talking about the seeds, it made me think of this. And, and, uh, and this is what it all ties back to. And think about the Laodicean church age, right? Revelation three, the last church age. It mm-hmm. says the, the last type of seed, it says still others like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So it's it's the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things that come in and choke the word out and make it fruitful. So now you look at the Laodicean church age. What marks the last church age? It's their posture, their detestable, detestable posture before the Lord, where they say, I'm wealthy and in need of nothing. I'm doing it. I'm, we're crushing it for Jesus. Man, look at our satellite campuses. Look at the business I'm building. Look at my earthly pursuits. I'm all doing it for you, God. I'm doing it to honor you. You know, look at how, how the pastor can vaingloriously simulcast her face everywhere all the time and, and, and blah, 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 blah. And look at the, the Christian media platforms. They're just ridiculous. So we're wealthy, Lord. We're, what do you mean? I'll never be a widow. I'll never see disaster. The Lord doesn't have a grievance with me. What do you mean I weary the Lord? That's exactly what they were saying in the, in the major prophets day as well. Those exact words. So we say we're wealthy and need of nothing, but yet the Lord says, wait, hang on a second. Let me, let me give you my perspective, ladies and gents. No, you're actually wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked, and I'm going to violently vomit you out of my mouth. That's, it's the faulty self-actualization is the spirit of the last church age. They will have the form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. They'll always be learning, but never able to come to an understanding of the truth. They'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, right? Uh, uh, they will not tolerate sound doctrine. The way of truth will come into disrepute. They will be mockers and scoffers, greedy for unjust gain. They'll they'll fill you with all kinds of vain stories. Telling you what, I mean, so like when you see the spirit of this last church age, it's no wonder why these kids that that my wife and I encountered were where they're at. I mean, I get what they're surrounded by, dude, because I've been in, I've, I've been in, I came out from a seeker-friendly mega church when I got saved in one and actually, praise God. So there is fruit being born out, I mean. I came to know the Lord in one, but it only took about six months of having come to know the Lord and then reading my word for myself going, what? This guy's totally like, he's totally taking that out of context for, for some, some humanistic story that he wants to get across, you know? And, and uh, uh, anyways, I'll, I know that's a long winded way of saying that <laughs> the, the lateness of the hour and of the church age and of, and of the devouring of the flesh and the spirit and the minds of our children is all centered on the reality that um, the church has rejected its high priestly calling. Men, as the head of their household, have rejected their warrior priestly calling, which is a very distinct thing. And the way of truth is coming to disrepute because of the deception of wealth and the dissipations of other things. And that's what, I mean, Jesus said, listen, when he was saying, hey, worrying about the end times, right? Uh, 
Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13. He said, he said, do not be weighed down by the anxieties and dissipations of this life so that that time should come upon you unaware. That word dissipation means frivolous living and fancies. Mm -hmm. Do not let frivolous things, frivolous living and fanciful things distract you so that that day will come upon you unaware. Well, that day is here and that day is now. Yeah. No, I, I think it's what, what God's been dealing with. <clears throat> uh, like Ian and I have talked about this. Ian quit smoking. Um, I'm going through some things where, you know, God is to, trying to remove me from, you know, some addictions and stuff like that. And we, when you look at end times scenarios and we're looking at things that are happening right now, if they go to a, a mark or something like that, where you can't buy, sell or trade, your addictions can cause you, I mean, even uh, your drugs, your medicines, things like that, sure. um, porn, uh, smoking, you know, just, I mean, any kind of addiction, yeah, any kind of vice, anything like that can draw you and be your temptation to, to falling into that. So I believe God's removing those addictions from, from those who are listening yeah. so that we're not and, caught up in that. And, and speaking of the Joshua generation, that's Joshua seven, the sin of Achan. He, he literally says, he literally dresses them down by tribe, by clan, by family, and then man by man. And says, you have something hidden. Somebody here has something squirreled away in their camp that they, they took the devoted things of God and they're hiding it. And he mm-hmm. said, you have been made liable to destruction on the field of battle until you remove that. He said, you cannot stand against your enemies until you consecrate yourself and remove the devoted things. So mm-hmm. that's talking about a Joshua generation. That same word stands true for us today as the body of Christ, as the redeemed of the Lord. You will not stand if you are double-minded, if you're treasonous to your standing orders that in Christ and through the word, if you're wayward, if you're cowardice, if you're feeble, right? If your identity is in, is in relationships or in money or in jobs or in wealth or in security or in comfort or in your, your health or your, your, your validation from people around you, if your identity is in anything other than Christ Jesus alone, I assure you, you are going to be overcome by these things that are coming on the earth. Listen, I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but it was probably, I don't know. Well, it was in August. It was right on my birthday. I had this, I had the gnarliest physical demonic attack that I can ever, could ever comprehend. And it was actually after being on a show specifically talking about uh, witchcraft, occultism, something. Somebody was on there and they knew how to get something to what me. Show? Can you say? That? What What's show? That? It was, it was with David Hevner. Oh, okay. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah. And, um, and, it actually, it, it actually, um, I, I got an email, you know, I get an email from a lot of people and I started reading out loud. I'm like, this thing's, this thing's weird. It had like mixes of Christian, Christian ease language in it and blah, blah, blah. And, and then, and then I read the last line and it unlocked whatever, whatever it was. This is, it was an incantation or something that I was reading out loud and, and I was reading on my phone and this thing shot through my phone, dude that like manifest, I mean, horrific. I'm getting chills talking about it. Came out of my phone. My wife was, was in the bedroom with me. It knocked me back off my feet. I threw the phone and my heart literally stopped. Like I thought I was a dead man and I was so overcome, whatever it it imparted fear on me that, that I just started, I just started just praying like through this, this broken voice, just praying in the name of Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Like I'd never experienced anything like that. Like it physically stopped my heart. And like the, the fear that it attached onto me is 
otherworldly. That's all I can say. And 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 I had to do business with this thing for about an hour, standing in my underwear in the middle of my bedroom, mm-hmm. uh, because because it was like it was trying to take my life in that moment in time. And I called Russ Dizdar and called some other buddies, you know, that they're very in tune and stuff. And they they knew exactly what it was right away. And the sad thing is, they said they said just so you know, blood. What it, I, we know what that was, and and a blood sacrifice was required to get that onto you. Just so you know, that's a big deal. And he said they literally were they literally were going to kill you, and if you had any chinks in your armor, it would have killed you. Wow. So. All that to say, when it says scripturally that men's hearts will fail them for fear of what they see and come up on the earth, I prayed through that for days. I mean, I was in like a weird state for like three days, like a weird, almost like PTSD type state. Like yeah. I was weird, like I was fearful and on edge. I didn't want to be in the house alone. Like it, even though I'm I'm secure in Christ, right? But it just rocked my socks yeah. off. You know? I mean, I'm a tough dude. <laughs> like, like, I mean. That's what I do. I literally write a book about being a warrior for Christ, right? And I've done it in the physical and in this and in, and in the spirit. Like that's that's my whole background is, is is rough and tumble. And and this thing made me uh my my knees weak and and tremble. And it says in Nahum 3 3 that on that day your men will be like women on the yeah. battle, right? Like like they're gonna collapse on the way. And yeah, like we were just saying, Jesus says men's hearts will fail them. Physiologically, your heart will physiologically fail you. That's not a euphemism for emotional despair and being distraught. And and what I'm what I was trying to get to is that I prayed through it for a couple of days, and that's what the Lord showed. He's like, I'm I told you I want you to testify that I wasn't kidding when I said men's I allowed them to do that. I allowed that so that you would know. And so yeah. that you would strengthen your feeble knees so that you would reaffirm your identity so that you would solidify yourself and me and my promises to you so that you would know that it's only me and my covering and my faithfulness towards you. His faithfulness is our shield and rampart. It's my faithfulness towards you that will guard you on that day. It's nothing that you bring to the table. It's none of your past training. It's none of nothing that you bring in the carnal and in the physical and in the flesh. It's nothing. I will protect I will uphold. I will guard. I will defend. I will fight on your behalf. You need only be still, right? And so, um, what's coming is is horrific beyond imagination. The the lawlessness of uh, uh, even the the critical supply chain collapse, food collapse, famine, uh, quarantine, oppressive, tyr- tyrannical globalization of government, drones flying overhead, tracking your everything, and so supposedly tracking your temperature and making sure that. You're, you're not communicating with the whole six foot distance thing is just so you can't coordinate with other people because they know what's coming. Right. It's all about it's all about the coming uh, breakdown of society. But um, none of that, none of that compares to what's coming spiritually up onto the yeah. earth. And yeah. and we as the redeemed of the Lord must purify our camps and make ready for war. We must be purifying our camps and whatever the way the Holy Spirit is leading you and convicting you and prompting you today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts like your forefathers did in the wilderness. Today, if you hear his voice, take action because the Lord's longing to show us grace. Right. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and heal us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's he's longing to shore up those those areas in our life. 
He's long suffering and patient and full of grace and mercy. I just pray that the body of Christ would turn towards him and get strong in the Lord now, willingly rather than later on desperately. Yeah, you, you for sure. It's, you know, God did. Get, I had a demonic attack as well. Several in the last. Well, it, it was not this past year. Well, there was one this past year, but one before that, the, the year before that was really the first one that had manifest in my home. Uh, and, you know, through this process, the last couple of years, the Lord's been showing me how to find freedom, right? He's been delivering me from some things. And, and so once we, my wife and I went through this freedom course, that's offered by one of the churches uh, that we go, that we go to this church, Dayton living word. And it's a, this program is offered by uh, church of the highlands. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Uh, Chris Hodges down in uh, Alabama, but uh, it's pretty much a, uh, it's a 12 week course and it's like a small group devotional type thing, but it, it leads you down the path uh, to finding freedom, teaching you about every morning you wake up, you have this choice to choose between the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. Every day you're confronted with that choice. And then as you go through this program, it's exposing things in your life and teaching you how to deal with it. And you know, the power of words and identity and all these different things. And then we, it's, it culminates in, a, in, in, into a, uh, a retreat, like for the weekend, it's not really a retreat. It's more like a conference, but it's kind of like a mass corporate deliverance service, man. It really is. It's like a worship setting. And then you go through and you do deliverance on seven categories. Uh, it's, it's pretty much a deliverance, but it's corporately done. There's prayer partners there. It's like a big thing. And, my wife and I went through it not knowing what we were going to get. We didn't go in like thinking we need deliverance from this, this, and this. Right. But we came out of it. It was like, what just happened to us? You know, like we could tell there was some serious baggage relief, you know, off of us. And we didn't know exactly what it was, but we felt free, you know. And right. that – I believe that you you could be bound up and, and you could be looking for all of these things, like really seeking the Father and all this stuff. But if you're not free, you don't have the ability to make that choice. Right. You need freedom first, but that's our first mandate. Set the captives free. We're supposed to be bringing freedom into the world, right? And and, and to our friends and family, like the ones that we care about. Like sure. I'm so passionate about my friends and their spiritual walk. You know, uh, just being there, being there for them in prayer and lifting them up on a weekly basis, daily basis, whatever it is. But because when, when I had this demonic attack, I was actually in the process of editing and putting out what, my first film, the Quantum Illusion film. And I was spending a lot of late nights and it was cutting close to the wire. We were planning on releasing it at the Take on the World Conference 2018. And I'm sitting there doing some editing and stuff right at the end. And I've had a whole bunch of computer problems and all kinds of stupid stuff just happening. Right. And I remember talking with Nathan Reynolds. I don't know if you know him, but uh, he was telling me, like, you need to go to uh, Michael Lake, uh, the Kingdom Intelligence Briefing uh, website. And they have prayers against algorithms and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, I never thought about any of that. So prayers for technology and all these different things. So I went there and checked it out. We started praying over our stuff, man. And literally, it, the moment I got done praying, whatever this prayer was that I couldn't remember which one it was that I found, but the moment I got done praying, now my whole family's asleep and I'm sitting at the kitchen table at this time, just doing some editing. I have my headphones on and stuff. 
a blood-curdling scream, like a child scream, death scream, shoots through my entire house, like all the speakers everywhere, like anything with a radio speaker or anything like mm. that. It went through, and it was like that heart-stopping fear. Yeah. I mean, you know what it is. Oh, yeah. And it's like it, it pauses you, and it was like my ears are ringing. This scream is going, and I'm like, oh, my God, one of my kids, you know? And so my wife wakes up from this. And at this time, my wife, um, she was not raised in the church. She's only she's a baby Christian in the last 10 years, but she's had kids. So she hasn't been able to get in and study and do all this stuff like she's sure. just been a mom, you know. So she's not all the way there. But she had a hard time. Like I'm doing Russ Dizdar stuff, you know, <laughs> going through this kind of stuff. And she's like not even sure if demons are real. You know what I'm that, yeah. that whole well, at this point, she's sure the demons are real, you know, because we heard this thing. It went through our entire house. She woke up. I woke up. We ran in our kids' rooms. It was not my kids. Thank God. You know, it was – I don't know what it was. It was nothing or a demon, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it was – but it, it went through all – it went through the baby monitors. It went through everything, dude. Mm-hmm. All my kids were peaceful, you know, sleeping peacefully. But we went through – in our. I mean, I wasn't wearing my underwear, but I was pretty much – I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt, but – we did warfare in our house, man. We went through every room yeah. and did this thing on our house, man. And I feel like since 2018 and on, the Lord has really been pushing two things for me. Get my house in order and get this crap out of my life. Like completely 100% get on track. Yeah. Praise God. Because praise God. And, and you want to know what? At, at the end of the day, and this goes for, for anybody out there and any listeners – if you don't have any of the knowledge and our intensive depth of knowledge and insight into all these things that guys like us that are into, you know, this, this sphere of influence that we're into. Uh, if, if you don't know or understand any of that, but you're solidified in Christ Jesus, that is the only thing you need. Yeah. Listen, it, what's it say in first Corinthians 13, you can have, you know, the gift of prophecy and know all the mysteries and all the knowledge of, of the universe, but without love, you are nothing. And that's love for the Lord God Almighty. And that's love for that's love for the brethren. And that's that's it, it's like if if you can do one thing, it would be to solidify your identity in Christ alone. Because when the battle comes, you're not gonna go, Oh yeah, I remember what level of thelemma uh, this must have originated from. When yeah. when it's in your face, you're proclaiming the deity and the authority and the lordship of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, and everything has been made through him, by him, and unto him. And all authority has been given to him on heaven and earth and under the earth and everything in between. And you are in him and he is in you and he is in the Father. That means that you're in the Father. And he and and when you know and understand and you etch it on the heart of flesh, the promises of the Lord God Almighty and your identity in Christ, I tell you, you will stand on the field of battle. You will stand the test of time. And that's why there are those who do overcome him, them, whoever they are, whatever, by the by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That means they know exactly who they are because they know exactly who he is. And by not loving their lives as much as they're afraid to lose it. That's why that word knowing is so important. In Daniel eleven thirty two, like I said earlier, those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. It doesn't say those who are well informed on all things, esca, 
Latonic. Yeah, can't even say the word. It doesn't say those those who are who are informed on all things Genesis six and Nephilimary. You know, it doesn't say those those who go to church and are in every single home group and serving their children's ministry really well every week. It doesn't say that. What it says is those who know their God shall be yeah. strong and go forth and do exploits. And it doesn't matter if you've lived your whole life in, in obscurity. It doesn't matter what your estate is in life. It doesn't matter what your physical prowess is in life. It doesn't matter. It's about a knowing of the Lord. I mean, the the mightiest strongholds of the powers of darkness are torn bound by the weak and weary old ladies who are in their homes by themselves as widows or even the old men as widowers praying on behalf of people who don't even know that they're praying for them and they're tearing down stronghold after stronghold after stronghold. That is what the warrior class of the redeemed is comprised of is those brothers and sisters. And that's a fearsome affront to the enemy. When you know your God, there is nothing that strikes fear in the enemy more so than somebody who knows their God. And I remember when I had this, this, this manifestation, I mean, it was in the physical, I mean, it was coming to snuff, snuff out my very physical life. And I remember my, my, my first response besides, Oh, Jesus was, was, (laughs) I dropped an F bomb, which <laughs> isn't normal, but I said you just left with the wrong dude. What F what F word did you use? I, I yeah. heard uh, freaking. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I and, I and I said, you you just F with the wrong guy. Do you know who I am? Let me tell yeah. I will tell you who I am. I got a ring on my finger and I got the cloak on my back and I got the mark and seal on my forehead. It's a blood of you. You just done messed up, bro. And whoever sent this. You just messed up big time. Do you know who I am? I'm a son of the most high, bought and paid for. You cannot touch my life. It is not mine and it's certainly not yours. It's his to do and will whatever he will with it, you know? And, and so to be able to have that, 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 uh, that strength of dogma in life, it's not from arrogancy and it's not from self-righteousness. It's let not the wise man boast in his wisdom or the rich, rich man boast in the riches, but let the one who boasts boast in this, that he has understanding to know me. Yeah. That's my boast. I will, mm-hmm. I will, you know, like let the world around you be, see your courage and be astonished and take note what that you've been with Jesus. Yeah, let him be but- astonished and take note that you've been with Jesus. It, it's not that you have wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power, right? And so when we know God, when we know the Lord, and again, when we fill up our hearts to overflowing with the word of God, and, and, and we start we start seeking the Lord and allowing him to refine and sanctify and prune and do these things in our life, uh, and, and therefore, we, we're discerning according to the spirit, right? We're growing in maturity. We're, we're, we're eating solid food and having our, our discernment to our, our ability to discern good from evil increased, right? That's in Hebrews. Can't remember somewhere in Hebrews, right? But, but like as we're doing these things, we actually start to reflect what God intended us to, which is the glory and the majesty and the love and the righteousness and the justice and the holiness of his son, Jesus Christ. And, and that is unstoppable. It's unstoppable. That's why the church, the true church, not the claimants of Christianity, but the true body of Christ cannot be snuffed out. 
No generation ever has it been snuffed out and nor will it be even in this last age. We're going to pay dearly. We're going to suffer dearly. Uh, it's going to be a time like which no one ha never has been and never will be again. But I assure you, those who endure to the end will receive a great reward from the Lord. Yeah. You know, I can I can give you uh, give testimony to the whole thing that you were saying about prayer. Um, because my mom who's in the chat here, she, she'll, I don't know if, did we tell you, Jamie, the live comments, there's a little button over on hey, the, <laughs> the right side of the screen there. I don't know if you were seeing the live comments or if no, I don't, I don't chat. see anything on here. <laughs> you can click on the live comment side if you want to see what everybody's saying here, but, um, wow. my, mom's, is crazy. <laughs> my mom's, my mom's in the chat, but if it wouldn't have been for, for her prayers and the, the way that they had raised me, I wouldn't be here today. You know, yeah. I know that she prayed That's for me crazy. nonstop. And I, the life that I was living, I mean, I was on the verge of death. There was many a times where God saved me from death, destruction, and jail. At, you know, <laughs> those. Yeah. But you know, her her consistency of prayer and her faithfulness in that, I, I really believe she get to see she got to see the fruition of that in my walk where it is today. So I, I'm always thankful for her and her her vigilance in that. Um, the other thing I was was going to touch on was what I think is really amazing is the Holy Spirit. And if you guys have been following, we're on episode 17 now. If you guys have been following this since episode one, or if you haven't, go back and start watching them. The way the Holy Spirit, we we haven't planned really any of this with the people that we're talking to. We sit, we may have five minutes to talk to them beforehand. We don't discuss what we're going to talk about. But the fact that the Holy Spirit flows through all these, these people that we've talked to, everybody from Kruger to Alan Aguirre to Rob Skiba to Ian, I mean, you know, Ducky, uh, the, yeah. the, the spirit has just flown through all these. And what I think is great is the last week we were talking about spiritual warfare in this concept. And Ian or Chad, Chadrick had brought up the idea that they remember from uh, Indiana Jones, the yeah. first episode where the guy, the big muscular guy drops down with two swords and he's swinging them around. And Indiana Jones just pulls out his gun and shoots him. That's how we want to be on our spiritual walk. And when you were talking about your attack and just being on it like that, that's where we need to be in our walk is not, I mean, because just like we said this exact same thing last week, how is all this conspiracy stuff going to help you when you're faced with a demonic entity or, you know, an alien clone gray shows up at your house? Are you going to try to talk to it right. about what part of the conspiracy theory it's in? Yeah. You're going to try to explain at the, at the end, it's And it's not to diminish it. Like we, we should be informed, right? We should, we should uh, uh, be able to have an answer to, to anybody's questions. And, and the Lord's given us a spirit of wisdom but and, and so it's not to diminish that, but if that's what your identity is in, yeah, again, identity. If your identity is in special knowledge and 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 a puffed upness about your special knowledge and the latest greatest intel, or like the super duper conspiracy. So like I'm gonna have the conspiracy, the conspiracy. Alex Jones is actually a Russian insider and he's actually <laughs> part of the deep state, right? Like like you're always trying to do the one upper. Like I think of SNL. There's that one up yeah. the girl is always doing the one up for an SNL. But it's like, if you're trying to be a one, like, dude, it ain't going to save you at the end of the day. I'm telling you what, I don't care about your special knowledge and how you know the root of every, every, you know, uh, occultic esoteric thing in the world and of pre-flood antediluvian history. Listen, I know all that stuff too, man. I just got back from my expedition in Peru researching all that. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. The only thing that matters is Christ and him crucified. Reduce your reality. Don't expand it. I, I personally think the time for knowledge, I mean, the time for information is over. I really yeah. do. 
I mean, maybe I'm jumping the gun on that, but man, do, you know, I, I, I'm on this speaking circuit and speaking at all these different conferences and stuff. And I, I'm going, I'm looking around and I, you know, you interact with so many people, you fellowship with so many people and I'm going, I'm going, Lord, God, forgive us. The time for information is over. We need to be feeding the sheep and we need to be strengthening and equipping the body for what comes next. No more information. Grow your roots down deep into the stream of living water, Christ Jesus himself, so that you may be able to stand in that day. Absolutely, man. That's for sure. We were talking, Chris Chris Bailey, we were talking in the beginning of this, well, at the end of last year, and we were saying, I'm talking about doing um, the conference, the Take on the World conference this for this year. We were talking about, well, we gotta, we're going to change things around. Because normally, if you don't know about that conference, there's 30 speakers. It's almost a week long. It's fantastic. It's, I mean, if you're going for knowledge, you're getting it there. I mean, the fellowship is awesome. Like, I didn't sleep but five hours the first year I went. <laughs> just because of all the people there, like, the knowledge that's there and the friendships that are built. It's like way more important. You sleep later, right? But um, this year was different. It was like God was teaching, telling us to equip. Like we, it was going to be a different thing. It was all about equipping the body. Like Vision yeah. Twenty Twenty. Let's get here. Let's have people learn and know how to. When they leave, they know how to apply it. As opposed to, holy crap, my mind is blown. You know, right. and I. The thing that God challenged me with, because I'm, you said it, man, you know, every freaking rabbit trail you can connect. We, 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 joked, right. the first, we joked the first week of this show, we said we were going to have a fishbowl with every conspiracy that you can think of in there. And every day we'd pull out two and try to connect them. Right? <laughs> yep. And we were like, because it's possible to connect uh -huh. all if you have the knowledge, right? Which we, we, both of us combined, we could definitely do this. So, but we never did. We always end up talking about it in the show, but. Uh, roundabout but the thing was god really challenged me because he was like you know obviously it was meant for me to go down these rabbit holes and to find this stuff out god revealed it to me right but it's for my mission it's not because he you know now i get to tell everybody how to connect the dots like that's not my job you know right i'm not that guy that's going to be like hey if you need to know about conspiracies go to ian he's going to connect the dots for you that's all he does that's not me. What God told me was, I gave you these for a reason. Use them. Use the knowledge that I gave you for a reason, right? This is all part about making disciples. Find somebody and tell them everything you know. Yep. Teach them everything you know. And also, when it comes to intercession, this is very – the knowledge that you know should enable the intercession to flow right out of me. Like if I know where this rabbit trail goes and I know specific – um, identities of people behind the scenes involved right. or rituals being done. I need to pray against them specifically targeting. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, that's the whole point of the revelation being come, you know, is, is so that I, it's like Ezekiel when he's digging in the wall, you know, yeah. that God showed him for a reason so he could take care of it, you know? And that's, I believe that I'm set apart for specific things and everything that I have found out up until now will be used accordingly in the battle right i mean there are some people that blindly trust the lord and never needed the knowledge and that's fine yeah you know another part of the body but like i was in the, one of the conversations that i had with uh ducky ian fiducia but uh the other ian uh we call him ducky because we don't say other ians i'm the only ian there needs to be and so <laughs> yeah we were at the fire we were on the fire at night uh at the conference 
And I, I remember saying to him, we were discussing like, why is it that certain believers, we, we serve the same God, but certain of us have to go through so much crap. It seems right. like we're just being like tried trial, like one trial after another, just hardcore stuff. And he's like, you know, we're all parts of the body. We're doing different things. And he's like, some of us, uh, he's like, well, the eye cannot handle gravel like the feet can. They weren't meant to handle gravel like the feet. And I had never thought about that. Mm -hmm. um, I thought about the parts of the body and things, but I had never really thought about that specific thing, like the eye and gravel and feet. And he's like, yeah, that's, be, a, that's a great word picture. I love that. That's he's awesome. like, you're, you're, he's like, you know, you're a foot man. And he's like, you know, but I thought about that. Like I'm a door kicker, you know, I'm the guy that's going to go in there and do this stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's people that are not, I've heard you say this before on, on several things that you, you, there's people that are not warriors, right? That's a, like they're not meant for battle. No. And, right. and a, a warrior spirit is a warrior spirit is a very particular spirit. Just because somebody's in the military does not make them a warrior. And just because they're in the infantry does not make them a warrior. A warrior caste and a warrior class is very, very distinctive. And what sets them apart isn't their gear or isn't their training. It's their intrinsic spirit and their character. That's that's what defines a warrior, you know. And and like you were saying, I mean, even it, going back to all the knowledge stuff, I mean, that's what the Lord burdened me with. You know, I'm studying, 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 and you know, I'm I'm friends with Steve and and these guys and and Tim, Steve Kale and Tim Alvarino and these guys, you know, and and so you know, and, and I'm always working at the True Legends conferences and stuff like that, and 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 doing all this other stuff behind the scenes, and I'm going, and I, and every every time I'm going, but feed the people, but feed them. But feed, but minister, but feed them, but feed. And I'm going. So, so I'm saying this for years. But now what? Okay, we know that. But now what? But now what in Christ? And that's where the Lord really burdened me. And He said, He said, Well, then you do it. You give the now what? And that's and that's where the Holy Spirit just burdened me to to write this book, Omega Dynamics, equipping a warrior class of Christians for the days ahead. That's the whole thing. Is like it is the now what. It's it's yeah. in light of where we're at and light of the convergent zenith of all these things and light of the lateness of the hour and light of the of the apostasy of the church. Right. The apostasy of the great falling away and light of of the emerging technologies and the rise of occultism and in the new age of Atlantis coming on the scene and all these, you know, Osiris rising type stuff. Going on. In light of that. Now, what how do we as believers be strengthened and equipped for the days ahead. That's what the whole book is centered on. That's why it's Omega Dynamics. It's the powerful and effectual actions that's dynamic at the end of the age. Omega. Omega Dynamics, the powerful and effectual actions of the redeemed of the Lord at the end of the age. And that's what the whole thing is centered on. So even, even the, the summit that, that I'm putting together in, in uh, I mean, it's already put together, but in September, I'm hosting that summit that's it's called Warrior Retreat. I mean, Warrior Summit and Retreat, and it's right outside St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, like uh, Dr. Michael Lake will be there and Derek and Sharon Gilbert and and um, Mike and Jeannie Kerr and Coach Dave Dobmeyer, Tim Alvarino and and uh, uh, Dr. Mike Spalding and Robert Griswold and, and myself and a bunch of other people, David Paxson and, and a lot of other great people. It's literally a weekend solely centered on it's no conference. There's no speaking engagements. Not a single one of those people are speaking. I said, will you come and intentionally facilitate fellowship? 
That's my only request. That's that's my request. Come and intentionally facilitate life on life fellowship. Draw people out of themselves. Draw them into conversations. Uh, uh, equip people to be more transparent with one another. Share scriptures with like lead and steer and facilitate fellowship. That's what the whole weekend will be centered on. Not to mention cool guy stuff because I hired a pyrotechnician that set, I'm doing a whole uh uh, combat simulation course, paintball, tactical paintball, Milson paintball course with uh, smoke and pyro and all this stuff. So we'll have that and like tomahawk throwing and canoeing, kayak and fishing. Like, you know, it's like a family Christian camp retreat thing. Um, so it'll be awesome. But the focus of it is that we would, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens an hour and another. And how pleasant is it when we're when, when we're in the, in the fellowship of the of the body and of the saints? It's like oil on her head, dripping down from her beard on the collar of Aaron, Aaron's robe. You know, like it's so that we can be strong and secure and refreshed and and bold and steadfast for what's coming next. Because the time for information is over. It's time to be the church. Stop consuming information. And be what the information has been at work sowing into you and go out and do something with it. Yeah, be ready, man. That's a God put that on my heart just earlier this year. Be ready. Like, what's it look like to be ready? What is, he's telling his church to be ready, right? What does it look like to be ready according to what the scripture says, not what the world says? Because the world says prep, get a bunch of guns, you know, beans and rice a place to lay low, all that stuff. Right. But what does the Bible say about being ready? Yeah. And you know, that's the thing. And it says to be in the world, making disciples. Not only that, but here's what's cool. I, I just, I just preached on this a couple of weeks ago, but in Luke 21, and per, perfect example, right. He goes, okay, you're going to see this, this, this wars, rumors of wars, famous pestilence, be not deceived, right? All these things, men's hearts fell for fear, what they see coming there. It goes down this litany of litany of the, of the, the things to see in the lateness of the hour, right? The time of sorrows, of birth pains. And here's what it says, church. When you begin to see all these things, stand up and look up because your redemption draws nigh. When you begin to see these things, stand up. Don't self-quarantine. When you begin to see these things, go out and minister to your neighbors and to your to your timorous family members that are making a mockery of the gospel that they say that they believed in their whole life by shutting their doors and running around feel for, fearful of their lives because they don't know and understand the living hope that awaits them and the inheritance that's being kept in heaven for them, un, unspoiled, spotless, and unfading, and God's going to guard them by his power to it. Like, like stand up when you begin to see all these things. Stand up. The time... To hide yourself and shut yourself in your prayer closet as the wrath of God passes you by is over. That time was, that's what we should have been doing the last 60 years as the church, is praying, 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 praying. Uh, you know, we blew it. It's here now. So guess what? It says now for those with ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. Right. When you begin to see all these things, stand up and look up. Know your God. He may have a mission set for you to go forth in his strength and do exploits by his strength and by his spirit. He has a mission set in this generation. Absolutely. You know, I think we're, we're living in this. It's a I'm kind of at a loss for words for what, what is actually happening. We're living in a ritual. 
you know, and I, I, we were talking about this last week a little bit when we said, you know, we look around us and those of us with eyes to see, we're seeing an occult ritual, a ritual of fear, right? There's massive spirit of fear over the, over this country and, and sweeping the world really. Um, and you can see it on your neighbor's face, your family members' faces, you know, you're, you're, it's just very evident. And as a body of Christ, we are supposed to be having this kingdom mindset, but like where this is conflicting to me. It's like, so for my, my job, I have to wear a mask when I'm in my stores just because it's mandated by my company. It's mandated by these grocery stores. Sure. I have to, it's not that I'm, you know, it's either, you know, you're picking your battles. Is it, is it worth losing my job over just not wearing a mask? Because ultimately there's nothing, you know, it's, it's not like that changes my salvation by me wearing a mask. I, I do feel like if I have a choice, I'm not wearing the mask, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're called to be prudent. We need to be prudent and wise, you know, we don't right. run around foolhardy and test the Lord, you know? Well, the thing is too, it's like, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are sincerely scared. And so by me not wearing that mask, it invokes fear on them, whether I'm right or wrong, right? It puts them in this position where they're scared of me. And like, you know, when it says to be all things to all men in the scriptures and, you know, I'm not supposed to, I'm supposed to be loving to everyone. I'm not, to, you know, not to avoid the truth or anything like that, but I, I'm not, you know, what's our place? Where do, Because, you know, I was telling Aaron about this earlier. I feel like there's a time when we're to be silent, like when uh, the children of Israel are marching around Jericho and the, and the Lord says, be silent, don't make a sound. Yeah. Yeah, right, he, said, he said, "Don't, don't, don't give a war quiet. Don't shout. Do not even open your mouth until I tell you to, and then shout." Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what don't I'm open your mouth until I tell you to. You know what I mean? And it's like we have this stuff, and we're ready to shoot our mouth off at the first sign of you know something coming at attacking us. Like you know what I mean? We're like, hey, no, you know. But it's like, you know, I, I think it's um, is it Teddy Roosevelt? You're a history guy. Famous quote, speak softly and carry a big stick. Yeah. Is that? Uh -huh. Yeah. That's all. Uh, you, that's you, you know, whatever. I mean, not to cut you off, but to, I always think of Ezekiel where, where God says that he, he's going to bind him in his house with a strong man, meaning like he's going to yeah. He's going to give command to an angel to go bind him and make his tongue stick to the roof of his mouth so that he cannot rebuke anybody until the Lord tells him to. And he says, then I will give you the words to say. So you won't be acting out of your flesh. You won't be acting out of self-righteousness. You won't be acting out of, out of uh, uh, unrighteous anger, like a carnal anger. He's like, I'm going to bind you and make your roof stick to your mouth. So you can't rebuke the people until I tell you to, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, oh, go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead, I was going to say, I've, <laughs> I've had, I've had a similar experiences being in people's homes. I've had a lot of customers that they wear masks when I'm in there. And, and to me, discernment is always key when you're, when you're dealing with this. I had one particular guy who was about, you know, our age and he's just been in his house for the last 30 days doing work and stuff from there. Hasn't said he hadn't gone out and anything like that. Insane. And he wears his mask, Insane. but he says he wears his mask while he's in his house. And he kind of opened up the conversation and this guy's like, you know, staying 10 feet away from me. He's got a mask right. on. And I'm having this conversation with him, just talking about my experience, talking about some of, 
you know, what I've seen, what's going on, my views on things. Uh -huh. And by the end of it, about 15 minutes later, guy had his mask off, yeah. just hanging out, yeah. chilling, talking. I'm like, oh, that's, sometimes that's all it takes is to be there and have that discernment and, and to be there and to talk a little bit of sense into somebody, you know, because all they're hearing is, is, is the opposite, what the world is telling you. And I think right. this goes back to exactly what Jamie was talking about with what the kids are seeing in the world. Right. They're, they're just constantly being bombarded by this. And all, sometimes all it takes is just a little word of Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's that same kind of thing. And it, it just awakens that inside of you, that desire inside of you. And it's just like the same thing with this. Truth cannot be denied. Right. And especially when the truth is being backed by the Holy Spirit. And if the timing's right with the Holy Spirit, that's that to me is the most important thing, regardless of what you have to do. Because there might be some time, like we were talking about this earlier, Ian. There might be some time when you're wearing the mask and and you know, there might be some time when you're not and somebody comes up to you and asks you, Hey, why sure. why aren't you wearing your mask? And then the Holy Spirit's there and you talk to him and you say, Hey, because I stand on the on on the foundation of Psalms 91, that none of these diseases are gonna affect me, you know, or whatever, you know. So right. Right. And, and, and again, it's, it's not, you know, we're called to be prudent and, and not be foolhardy and not test the Lord, like I said, but, but at the same time, what, what people can discern is your posture of love, like an authentic love, not a worldly love, not the love that the church has been teaching us for the last 50 years, but an authentic love, like, like they can discern that there's genuineness in, in your desire to share with them truth rather than beating them over the head with it or fire hosing with it, which I was guilty of doing forever. I burned so many relationships because, you know, there's a, I think it's Psalm 119, 134 or somewhere in there, 134, 139. But it says, my zeal wears me out. Oh Lord, I've tested all your commands and found them to be true. Like I would wear out other people with my zeal. Can you tell, <laughs> Can you tell that that might be an issue? But, um, but when the Lord, crushed me and humbled me and really convicted me. You know, he's like, it says a, a wise man makes knowledge acceptable. You don't make knowledge acceptable. It doesn't mean that it's not true, but you don't make it acceptable because it's not being done in authentic love. It's being done in a counterfeit form of love. So, so even like that guy, you know, where you're working in his home, they can discern a posture that has a sincere love for them just as a person. And that love is how we were told that people would know that we're disciples of Christ Jesus. And they will know you are my disciples by your love mm -hmm. and authentic love. And it is simple. It's dude, we have so complicated the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh my Absolutely. goodness. It is so simple, right? Like, like, uh, uh, seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly. Oh, there you go. I think of Isaiah 30, 15, um, um, where it says, um, and, and, and repentance and rest. Oh, we lost him there for a second. But you'll have none of it. It's like here, it's, it's, and Peter here. Are you guys still there? Yeah, yeah, you were you were breaking up there for a second. You might have to repeat what you said. Yeah, I'm like getting ready to die. Anyways, <laughs> it, it says in repentance and rest is your salvation, quietness and trust is your strength. It's simple. It's like what the Lord says, I know what you are, I know that you're dust. You know, he calls Jacob Isaiah 41. He says, Oh, Jacob, you little worm. Like, I know what you, but I love, but I'm endeared to you. I love you. You know, and then in Isaiah 41, he goes on this litany, like, but I will protect. I will uphold, I will cover, I will lead, I will fight. Everything's about what the Lord will do on our behalf. It has nothing to do with what we're going to do for him. It's like mm -hmm. Psalm 91, you know, 
I do this. I will cover. I will protect. Same thing again. It's all about what he does towards us. And so when our striving ceases and when we come under the Lord God Almighty and his son, Jesus Christ, and we we just have a knowing of who he is and we rest and we dwell and we hide and we abide and we commune with the Lord. Right. And, and we, and we, and we just come under the Lord instead of striving still, even as believers, we're always striving to lay hold more of him rather than just coming and resting under the one who is faithful, come and rest under the one who is strong enough, come and rest under the one who is righteous, come under the one who is already holy, come under the one who is already wise, come under him. And like, it's the simplicity of the gospel is so wondrous and yet it's difficult, but, but it's simple, you know? And, and so, I mean, just as believers and as the body of Christ to really know and understand and, and deconstruct the cumbersomeness of what we've created the gospel to, to be and come back into that. What, what's it say? A letter to the church. I can't remember what it was. Sardis or whatever, like return to your first love. Like that was, uh, yeah, it was Ephesus. Ephesus. Come back to your first love. It's simple. It's pure. He loves you. Look, the Lord has shown you the lengths to which he's willing to go for you. He, him who knew no son became, became sin itself that you might become his righteousness. He bankrupt the glory of heaven for you while you were his enemy. What in the world is he going to withhold from you? He's already shown you the lengths to which he's willing to go. So, you know, like we, we just need to, to really just, just commune with the Lord and just embrace him and allow him to embrace us. This, this is a cool rebuke the Lord did in me once. I mean, it broke me. I wept. Uh, um, and in a in quiet, intimate time is when I was in the mission field. He said, you spent your whole life trying to wash my feet with your hair and tears that you've that you've deprived me of what I came to do, which was to wash your feet. And it, and it like broke. I'm like, oh, Lord, forgive me. I didn't, I didn't realize that that's what I, I've been, I was actually like denying you, like, no, like, like what Peter said, you'll never wash my feet. Oh Lord, you'll never wash my, I'm going to wash your feet with my, and I'm going to serve you and I'm going to do these things for you. And I'm going to, I'm going to do these things for you, Lord. And he's like, you've deprived me of what I came to do, which was to wash your feet. And I was like, oh Lord, forgive me. Then not my feet, but my head and hands as well, Lord. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, we keep beating around the bush here and I feel like the spirit wants to talk about the fact that what's going on right now. We talked about this last week in our, a little bit in our last week, we did a, the prophecy update kind of what is the Lord's, what is the spirit speaking towards America right now in the church. And one of the things that he's speaking is we've been spending our resources in our lives, building our own kingdoms. Mm-hmm. And we, 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 he, he's now put a stop to that, right? He's reset, resetting everything. And he's, he's telling us like the church of Ephesus, return to your first love, build my kingdom, right? The age of knowledge is done. The, like you said, we're, we're done learning. It's time to, it's go time. We got to put this stuff into action. And now the censorship comes, right? But, and we're still, we're still, if we, because we're so knowledgeable about the occult and the ways of the tricks and the enemy and the, and the weapons of their warfare and all that stuff, you know, we're looking for this red horse prophecy, their, their Pentecost event, um, where the, you know, the outpouring of the demonic spirit 
upon the earth, right? The opening of the abyss and all that stuff. Well, we're eight, we're, we're ramping up right into our season of Pentecost right now. May 31st is the day of Pentecost, right? Where we, we celebrate the receiving of the law and the outpouring of the Holy spirit. And I think God's going to do it again. And, you know, we're, we're so often as a church and as believers, we're praying for God's judgment on the wicked. And, you know, he judges with fire. The Holy Spirit is fire as well. And, you know, we're praying for the spirit to fall on America and for this revival to take place. For God to give us one last chance, this great awakening, you know. Now, I believe that's going to happen. But the thing that people aren't talking about is that a lot of the great moves of the church, all of the great moves of the church are, are in the hardest, toughest persecution you can think of. And so when we look at the, the, the fear that's, you know, raging right now with all these people are afraid of the end times and all this stuff. I mean, that is real. Men's hearts will fail for thing, for fear of the things coming upon the earth. But during that time we will thrive. Right. And the outpouring of the spirit. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is we're praying for justice to fall from heaven, but we're going to be consumed by that fire. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, I mean, so like we said in the beginning, it's time to get right, get rid of all the 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 dross and, and all this other stuff. It's got to be, we've got to be cleansed because as soon as God's fire falls for this last push, this last anointing on the remnant, it'll burn up a lot of people that aren't right, you know? Absolutely. Like, and, you know, I've heard it said if you're not, if you're not equipped to, to receive the fire of the Holy Spirit, it's just going to burn you up. And, and that goes back to that battlefield axioms and, and maxims about, you know, preparing for the LOD, which is a line of departure, even in the natural, you know, as, as a, as a warrior in the natural and, and the Marine Corps infantry is before we step off for war, every single aspect of our intimate personal lives had to be squared away. And, right. and, and myself as a platoon sergeant, I was responsible for digging into the lives of each one of my Marines, their finances, their checkbooks, their relationship with the girlfriends, uh, things left unsaid to their parents, anything, their car being broken down or, you know, have an outstanding debt because I needed them. If, if there was one distraction when we stepped across the LOD, the line of departure, meaning that contact with the enemy is imminent, there's no turning back. If they had any distraction, any double-mindedness, they were going to become a casualty on the field of battle, and I could not tolerate it. So the, so we have we have that mandate through Scripture. We already talked about Joshua 7, the purification of our camps, the, the removing of the devoted things to the Lord so that we can stand against our enemies on the field of battle. We need to be doing business with the Lord in such an intimate, intimate way and, and, and never make light of his tenderness towards you as well, too. In your greatest moment of failing, he saw you and loved you still. And your worst, most detestable act of, of lawlessness and rebellion against the holiness of God. He saw you in that moment and still looked on you with love in his eyes and traded his son's life for you. Don't ever make light of his, his mercy and his compassion and his, and his forbearance with you. But also, don't you ever make light of the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Don't you ever make light and trample under a foot. God will not be mocked. If you want to sow according to the flesh, you will reap destruction. But if you want to sow according to the spirit, you will reap life eternal. So, you know, I just, 
challenge the, the listeners and even us as brothers and sisters who are listening to this to just really be be um, intentional about doing business with the Lord, communing with him. You know why Joshua was able to go take take the the promised land filled with Nephilimic freak show, you know, stuff going on there, supernatural stuff we can't even understand. It's because in Exodus 33, it says, and, and, snuck in. and Moses used to meet with the Lord as a man meets with his friend. And then he went out to administer to the camp. But Joshua, his young aide, remained in the tent of meeting. He refused to leave the tent of meeting where he was communing with the Lord. He knew the Lord. Mm -hmm. And when the appointed time came, he, hum he humbled himself on the mighty hand of the Lord. And at the proper time, he was lifted up. When the appointed time came, he had a knowing of the Lord. So when the Lord said, go take the land, it's full of Nephilimic freak shows. He said, good to go, sir. I'm on it. If you yep. told me to take it, I know you. That means you've already delivered it in my hands. He had a knowing of the Lord. Only two men out of about 2.5 million Israelites at that time knew the Lord enough to know when he said, go take it. It was a done deal. And it was because of the communion that had been occurring beforehand. That's what we need to be doing right now as a body of Christ. You haven't been watching our previous episodes, have you? No. <laughs> Do you guys talk about that? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's several times. <laughs> well, praise God. Yeah, it's what he said before with the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is literally driving. You you can see all the people who the Holy Spirit is leading. We're all on the same page. We all talk about the same things every week, even though we don't talk about each other, you know, to each other. Uh, we, 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 we started this show, the first episode, we talked about destiny. Talked about David being anointed as king and then going back to his father's field and working as somebody else's dream for all those years right. and having to deal with the small, the bear and the lion, which aren't small, but where it says that David took the lion by the by its hair and punched it, right? <laughs> like he struck the lion with it, like what? Like, you know, stuff like that. But this is the kind of stuff that he was doing, taking care of his dad's sheep. I'd have been like, sorry, dad, you know, there was a lion. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. so you know there's that um but yeah we talked about that we talked about we we did an episode on love we called it point blank life or death situation whether you're loving according to the scriptures or not it's literally it says you are nothing if you do not love like this yep. right that's life and death i mean if you, you can do all these things and you don't know how to love according to the biblical standards you're nothing and then we, we literally talked about a lot of these things. And it's like, it's just crazy because it's like every time we have a guest on here, we're recapping the shows that we did. And it's like, thank you, Lord, for 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 this, this fellowship and this camaraderie and lining all this stuff up and preparing us, you know. And, you know, the other thing is, too, this channel that you're on is shadow banned. So you, no one's going to be able to find this episode. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but it's like God, is, he's literally, it's like his hand of protection is upon us, you know, because you know, the right people are seeing these episodes. And even though we're looking at like certain episodes, we were like, man, this is out of the park and we're not getting the views that we think we should get. And literally this is like, this is all about what you're, what you're talking about here at the appointed time we're set loose we're, we're yeah. let loose you know, to go conquer and that's i think what's going on and like we said before like some of us we had praying parents and that's what saved our lives growing up but we were under this covering right and so when we started this show talking about the this generation right now and i love that in the beginning of your book man the very first thing you dedicated this to your children and we we literally talked about this as well because 
you know, one of the things that the Lord told me in 2018 was I kept praying for um, direction. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, what is my destiny? That whole thing. And he just kept saying, get your house in order, get your house in order. And I knew he was saying, he kept telling me. And I'm like, I don't know what this means because you, I think I do, but then you keep telling me it like I don't, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it was like, literally he was telling me like, you need to prioritize the stuff that you're doing. Like put your family first yep. above everything. And like that you is key. No, you have no ministry outside of your wife and your Absolutely. children. Yeah. And so like when you're you're here and we, we talked about, you know, raising up your children because that's our mandate. And like a lot of people, we talked about this last week, a lot of people give their kids to the churches yep. to raise, you know, and put them in Sunday school, put them in BBS and all that stuff. And then when our kids fall away, when they're older, we're like, see, you know, that way, that way we can like shift the blame off of us. Sometimes. No, burden, burden of command will always be on the father. Always. The burden Absolutely. of command. That's the thing too, this whole culture the the demasculinity, you know, they're just demask. You know, this this whole thing, this war against the masculine, the man's role, it's destroying the culture, and our children suffer for this. And then, you know, you 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 put in here your arrows, man. And so, like we just said that last week, and I've mentioned this a bunch, like training our children to be weapons in our quiver, right? Yeah, absolutely. And at the, at the appointed time, we lose them. We lose them if we are being the warrior priest of our household. We lose them to strike a, bull, a, a blow against the enemy, like a kill shot. I mean, it's a big deal. And and I have such a burden that men would know and understand their high priestly calling. They will be held accountable for the sanctification of their wife. Most men don't know that. Read Ephesians 5. You will be held accountable for how you hand your wife back to the Lord, right? Yeah. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, making her, you know, spotless and blameless radiant you know i mean you will be responsible for a sanctification just like you will also be held accountable for the sins of your children that's even in a jewish tradition that's what the bar mitzvah is all about you know they have the bat mitzvah and the bar mitzvah it's to celebrate their release from the sins of their children that whatever their children do will be attributed to them because they were the high priest of the household you know, and 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 so and so either they train the, the children up in the ways of the Lord to know and understand and fear him and to keep his commands or they didn't, you know, and, and so it, it's a it's a it's a burdensome thing. That's why it's called burden of command. But it's a good burden. It's an honorable burden. It's full of honor and courage and commitment and devotion to duty and these attributes of a warrior spirit and a warrior household. And that's why all throughout Scripture you have. You have the high priest of God were always warrior priests. They were both a warrior and they were a priest. Just like the Lord God Almighty and Christ Jesus. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. But God is love. How do the two go together? Because they're intrinsically linked. A warrior only does what he does and only operates the way he operates and only sacrifices what he's willing to sacrifice out of a true and better authentic love. They're warrior priests. And and uh, and they and they're compulsed by a love that so few in the natural ever know and understand, you know. And so that's what what our mandate is and our high calling and our weighty calling as men is as well as to be the high priest of our households and to operate out from that warrior spirit at the same exact time. That that that's why you as you know, you look at our mission set. It's to 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 break enemy prisoners of war out of prison. Right. To deliver them from darkness, break them out of the in, the enemy prison camps. Like that is our mandate to, yeah. to apply battlefield uh, uh, um, uh, 
um, medical care to those who are wounded on the battlefield, to fight on behalf of the oppressed and the least of these, the widows and the orphans and the widowers. And, 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 and like we have this mandate that is solely based on this, these attributes of what warriors know and understand, silent professionals who are willing to lay it all down for a quote unquote greater good, you know, and that's what we as a body of Christ have been called into as well. And it, and it's a very important task and calling and uh, in, in the kingdom of God, it's an upside down kingdom. So, you know, in the natural people always say, Hey, the crap rolls downhill. Right. So the bottom, the guy at the end of the totem pole with the least amount of responsibilities and the one who ends up getting held accountable, but God operates an upside down kingdom. The crap rolls uphill. So it's the men the high priests of the households that will ultimately be held accountable for their for their reality, their sphere of influence for which God has has granted them um, um, uh, leadership over. So I got a, a couple of different questions here. Uh, first one to start off um, the the Warrior Summit and Retreat is that is that for men only or is that for families? Nope, it's for families. Okay, yeah, it's, yeah I just wanted to answer that for Sherry because uh, Sherry, she was asking. Yep, it's a family retreat. Okay. Uh, the other thing, because I know this has come up several times in chat and we've discussed this and I just wanted to get your opinion on it and see where, where you were at or maybe you had good advice. So we kind of talked a little bit about children, about what we're supposed to be doing, praying, things like that. So three different aspects here. What what would be, if we, if we could give somebody an assignment, what they're supposed to start doing, right? Because we know the time where we're at. So if they had to really pick up a chore and do something for their children, what would that be? If they need, if they had kids, um, I know that this has also come up with um, time several times, and we have a lot of uh, women who are in our chat who have husbands who aren't in the right position. Sure. So, what sure. should those yeah. women be doing to work for you know to get their husbands? I mean, praying for them, that kind of stuff. So, what's your, your opinion on that? And then, as men, what you know, what what can be like something that we need to start working on? So, just all three, if you can briefly, you know, sure, spell it out sure. for us. For, for the kids, I would say that the, the word of, I know the word of my, my reality as a father is intentionality. You have to be, you have to die to self men and women and live and be intentional with your ch children and everything. Never miss an opportunity to speak into their heart and to shape their life. Quit trying to make behavioral changes and Focus on their heart and make heart changes. A kid, I learned this working with teenagers, they can adapt their behavior and meet whatever expectation you set for them. But when you speak to their heart and when you speak to it with a kingdom perspective and an eternal perspective, and, and when you're shaping them and when you use the word and you instill the word and you work things into them, you'd be surprised at what a little mind and spirit can absorb the wonders of God. So I'd be very, very intentional. Be intentional about about helping them to know their identity in Christ. I never miss a beat to reaffirm their identity in Christ because I don't want any piece of garbage in this world telling my kids what their identity is. Mm -hmm. I don't want anything of this Luciferian system to come by and snatch up my kid who is not strong, steadfast, and secure and confident in who they are in Christ and tell them what their identity is. I don't want any guy to ever come and tell my daughter what her identity is. I want her identity to be so secure in Christ uh, that that those things are non-issues for him. So, you know, that can come by, you know, we do a lot of scripture memorization with the kids and, and not out of religiosity, but out of we, we speak to that. We 
tell them the heart of it. It's not memorizing just for memorizing sake. It's like, but why, but why, what's God saying? What's the majesty in that? What's the beauty in that? What, oh, what's he, what's he leading and shaping your hearts to in that and shape them. It's amazing. It's a beautiful thing. So that's children, intentionality, the word and identity. Um, as far as wives that have unbelieving husbands, um, that is an unbelievably weighty, burdensome thing to be under. We have many dear sisters in our reality that we spend a lot of intimate time with. And that's all our conversations are ever about is the difficulty of being with their unbelieving. And a lot of them know and understand at this point in their walk with the Lord that it was that that's a consequence of maybe sin choices that they made early on. And it's and the, and the Lord can redeem and restore all those things. But for them, you know, what we constantly speak over is to to, again, not have their identity being their husband, but in the Lord alone. And it frees them to actually have a posture of love and grace towards their husband to actually be that that proverbial 31 woman, right? The Proverbs 31 woman to, to actually reprove their husband by their very posture because their identity is not in their husband. That's they're so they have blinders on for the Lord that are so intensive. They're so, she's, they're so intimate with the Lord that there's just a natural overflow. Their posture totally changes. And that's what husbands generally begin to pick up on. But at the end of the day, you know what? You are not responsible for your husband's salvation. You are not when he has to give an account before the Lord, you are not going to be standing beside him. And when you have to give an account before the Lord, he's not going to be standing beside you. Uh, unfortunately, at the end of the day, uh, whoever it is, is going to have to give an account on their own before the Lord. So that would be so I would just encourage them to to continue to to be intentional with their kids and be intentional about their relationship with the Lord. You're not cutting your husband off. You're not shaking the dust off your feet, but you're being free of that burden of feeling like you need to manage or control or drag them kicking and screaming in the kingdom of God. If the Holy Spirit can do that, the Holy Spirit will do that. Um, the last thing was as men, uh, what do we need to be doing as men? We need to uh, get some testicular fortitude and start leading from the front. You know, you set the example and whatever bar you set is what people meet. Whatever bar you set spiritually is what your family meet. Whatever, however uh, uh, hindered or encumbered you are by the dissipations of this life is what your family will be, uh, uh, you know, hindered and encumbered by. Whatever your focus is, is what their focus would be. So, so, you know, gird up your loins, prepare your mind for action and lead your families from the front uh, spiritually, emotionally and physically. If, if, and, and we're three in one, you know, and so like, we need to make sure that we're doing these things. That may mean that you have to die to self a lot to be leading your family in front. The things that you would rather be doing, that you would choose to do, that you're tired and you don't want to do, whatever the case is, but you'll be surprised when you begin leading from the front, um, though your, your spouse or family may be begrudging at first because it's new and they don't understand it. Eventually they will completely be, you will realize that you just freed them from a burden. They didn't know that they were under feeling like they needed to pick up the slack in other areas and they'll breathe a sigh of relief and they will lovingly wholeheartedly follow your lead because that's the way God's created us to be and yeah. in our families. Yeah, I remember seeing a statistic uh, talking about uh, how children that ended up becoming Christians as they became adults. And I, I definitely think this is an attack from the enemy. I mean, you, you look at most family structures now, it's like a lot of people come from broken homes. Dad's not there. They have multiple dads come through. 
Um, but the statistics said that you have an 80 to 90% chance that your children will become Christians. If you as a father are the, the, like the head, the lead, and you instill Christian values in your children, if you're not there, if you don't do it, your chances drastically deplete from that point. So it does, I mean, it biblically, and I mean, it's, it's there. If you're going to be there for your kids, you need to be for them physically, mentally, and spiritually. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I think the stat was 80, 30 and 12. It was yeah. 80 if the husband start taking them to church, 30, if the women, 30% if the, if the wife leads the family to church and then 12% if the kids like just go to youth group, home group and happen to come to know the Lord through that. So. Yeah. And I think, I think they said that, that it was some, it was somewhere around the same statistic around 80 to 90% become Christians like before the age of eight, they make their decision hmm. like, and then it, it goes down drastically, especially you get up into college. It's almost non-existent. So yeah, yeah I mean, you have to hit them early and, and young and, you know, be working with your kids. I mean, it's never too late for God. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. I've never, you know, never put him in that box, but you got right. to gotta work on them as soon and as hard as you can. And and mm -hmm. with time drawing near, we need to be taking this more serious. Yep. Yep. Very intentional. I mean, it, it's, you know, we need to be wise, not unwise, discerning the time for the days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity, you know, as some translations read it. So it's, it's definitely time for the church to um, do what we've been foreknown and created and redeemed to do. And that's to advance on the field of battle, the kingdom of God, uh, to the saving of souls and the tearing down of every stronghold and false pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Amen. Absolutely. Let's, we got about 25 minutes or so left. I wanted to touch on, well, have you just kind of blow through, if you could, the the whole aspect of offensive spiritual warfare, because I know growing up in the church, I don't think I was ever taught that we had to play offense at all. <laughs> and so I, I had to come into my own and learning how, that I needed to be offensive because it sucks just waiting for an attack all the time, you know, like, you know, there's got to be something more. And then having to walk into the battle without being shown anything and then learning on the fly and then realizing, Hey, this is already mandated. We're supposed to be actively attacking the enemy. Right. Right. And I, I heard you talk about the armor on one of the, the videos that you have on your, your um, YouTube channel. And I just was, you know, the, the understanding your kit that you wear and everything. Cause I know a lot of people, like we were talking last week, we were like for a lot of times we, we always talked about spiritual warfare, but then like we would go into battle and be like, crap, I don't even, I don't even have a sword. <laughs> you, know, right. you don't know the word. And that's like the only weapon, man. And a lot of us aren't walking by face and we have no shield. So we're just out there just getting, just, you know, you're, you're getting pelted and you're kind of sitting like this. And then, by the grace of God, you make it through and then you're nervous and scared that you're going to get attacked again. So you're like, you're, you know what I mean? It's like this big and understanding your kit, understanding how to go into war, what your weaknesses are, if there are any, you know what I mean? Personally, how to seal that up and how to, you know, be an effective warrior on the battlefield and wear that armor. Yeah, absolutely. Again, the, the, there's such a misconception and, and this is because of Sunday school. Sunday school has done a great disservice to, to modern Christianity. You know, the depictions of like these little cart 
cartoony caricatures of uh, like some antiquated Roman centurion in armor, like, oh, geez, you know, put on the armor of God. You know, it's like, hey, your 297th channel won't come in on your TV. Hey, put on the armor of God. Your friend, yeah. your your coworker really snubbed you. Just remember to put on the armor of God. It's like, dude, do not reduce the armor of God to that. Please, <laughs> church. Like, do you cannot reduce that because guess why? Because the armor of God is literally Christ in you and on you and over you. Christ is salvation, your helmet of salvation. Christ's righteousness is your breastplate. Christ's faithfulness to the Father is your shield, right? Christ is the truth, your war belt that's around your feet. Christ Jesus is the, the peace that your feet are shot with, where once you were an enemy of God, you were a child of wrath, he was in open enmity towards you, you now have peace before God because of Christ Jesus. Like the, your kit and your armor is literally Christ in you and over you. And to reduce it and relegate it to some crummy caricature and say, yep, there's the armor of God. There you go. There's just memorize the little pieces and you're good to go, right? Because that's what most churches have done. So now as a literal warrior on a literal battlefield wearing literal armor, I can attest to you what the armor is designed and created to do. Just as Christ Jesus, remember the captain of our salvation, the rider on a horse who rides out to make war, and the Lord God Almighty, the Lord is a warrior, the Lord is his name, like a mighty man, he will stir up his zeal, he will go out like a warrior. The Lord God, they know and understand literal armor because they're in a, a literal war and they have literal armor. And this has been waging for a long time. So when when the Holy Spirit gave Paul that, that litany of things to write down, it was not weak and powerless like we reduced it to. The armor of the Lord God Almighty is designed, the armor in, the, in a modern battlefield is designed to do one thing. It's designed to defend you and protect you just enough so that you can offend the enemy. It's designed to give you enough confidence to be the first in a stack when you breach a door. It's designed so that you can take hits and you can take shrapnel from, from incursions from the enemy that happen near near proximity. You can take some hits and you can still keep taking the fight to the enemy. The reason why you have a helmet on is so that you can charge headlong into the enemy. The reason why we wear our sappy plate, right? Our body armor, our ceramic plates and all of our gear and a kit on us is we literally square up to the enemy. We don't shoot like this. We square up to them because if I take a round, I want to take it right in the chest where I got my armor on because I'm coming at you and I'm weasel walking at you and I'm taking the fight right stinking to you. Violence of action wins the day. Actually, Christ Jesus coined that, coined that term. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. That's a military axiom. <laughs> violence of action wins the day. Christ Jesus knew what it took to not only win the day, but to win every single day from everlasting to everlasting. That's why he coined violence of action. He took the fight to the enemy, to the enemy HQ in a faint maneuver and a tactical decapitation. He, the cross led somewhere. It led to Sheol where he snatched back the keys of death in the grave. And then it led up to victory seated back at the right hand of the father. It was, it was violence of action. He took the fight to the enemy HQ. And took back what was right, rightfully his. What we forfeited in the garden, he took back on our behalf. So the armor of God is literally created to defend just enough so that you can offend. It's actually only offensive. Right. My my sword of the spirit or my, my M16, my battle rifle, is so I can send rounds down range. And I can down, rounds down range and I can stack bodies spiritually. 
<laughs> right? I, I, I can stack bodies spiritually. I have on my kit and my war belt, my belt of truth, which is that's called your primary gear. That's where I have all my primary magazines. I have my med kit so that I can administer aid, battlefield aid, right? There's a lot of kingdom realities going on here. And I have my primary pistol, my weapon on my hip, where if all else fills, that belt of truth is what holds me together and allows me to stay in the fight. If I have to drop everything else, my belt of truth is always on me. It has all my primary gear and my ability to to minister aid if I need to to myself or to others, right? Kingdom realities here. So on, on my kid, on my 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 breastplate of righteousness and my shield of faith, which is the plates that go in it, right? I have my comms where I'm in constant communion and communications with my commander in chief, with my higher up. I have comms to where if I need to, I can call in force multipliers and call in the heavenly assets to come to come drop bombs around my position, laser guided targeted munitions to strike a blow against my enemy. I have my, I have my grenades. I have my sustenance. I have my water. I have my food that's web, you know, laced into the Molly, the Molly webbing on the back of my plate carrier so that I have my refreshment when the rigors of battle wear me down. Everything is about that gear on my helmet of salvation. I wear night vision. Why? So boom, and the pitches dark at night, I can still take the fight to the enemy. So everything is about the armor of God. If we knew and understand what we were looking at as literal warriors in a literal war, we wouldn't relegate the armor of God to something weak and pathetic. It's not. It is the power of Christ in you, on you, and over you. Literally, it is the power of Jesus Christ. So when he says we wrestle not against these, uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against these dudes, right? And therefore, put this on so that you can stand. And after having done everything, stand, stand firm. Then the armor of God is literally designed so that you will stand up and get in the fight. Just like we said earlier about Luke 21, when you begin to see all these things, stand up and look up and get in the fight. The Christ in us is designed so that we would stand and take the fight right to the enemy. If we, I mean, can you imagine real, if we really knew, like actually as believers in Christ, if we actually knew the power of Christ in us? I, I mean, I know I don't. I'm sure you guys don't. But like, if we really got it, the fear, the truly undone fearlessness, truly undone boldness, right? Like we said earlier, Philippians 1, I eagerly expect and hope that in no way, you know, I'll be ashamed. But now, as always, I will have sufficient courage so that Christ may be exalted in me, whether by life or by death. And if you remember in Philippians 1, if you go down a little bit more, it says, do not be frightened by them whoever they may be, do not be frightened by them in any way. This will be a sign to them that they are being destroyed, but that you are being saved. What, I mean, what a powerful word. Can you imagine if we actually believed what Christ has already told us through the scriptures? Could you mm -hmm. imagine if we actually knew and understood this, ar this armor and how it perfectly defends Psalm 91, his faithfulness is my shield and rampart. God's faithfulness to you is your shield, not your faithfulness to him. You'll blow it 10 times out of 10. Guarantee it. I guarantee you, if you think you can strive and will yourself to be faithful to the Lord, you're going to fail. It says his faithfulness to you is your shield and rampart. That is the, the, the shield of faith. The shield of faithfulness are, are the breast. I'm mixing them all up, but you get the picture that, that we, <laughs> that we move and we advance with. So that's why when you see these vernacular of your great commission, good soldier of Christ, advance the gospel, you know, fight the good fight. L look at the gospel. 
It's all about this warfare, this imagery over and over and over that the epistles and that Christ and, and everything is trying to work into the believers of Christ Jesus in, in the new covenant. And God was trying to do in the old covenant as well is to reveal to them, this is who you are. Why? Because that's who I am. That's what Jesus is saying. This is who you are because that's who I am. This is who you are because that's who my father is, who, I'm, who I came to glorify and who I came to reveal. And I am in you and you are in me and I am in the father. Now act like it. Right. Amen. <laughs> that's awesome. Very powerful stuff. Yeah. I do. I'd like to make a movie about this, man. To be honest with you. <laughs> I don't know that, but like, I can just, I, I love to make visuals. Like, that's how I think about things, man. Like, I just, in my head, I see this soldier getting geared up and, like, understand, like, really laying it out like you just did. Dude, and then, oh, and then picture, and then guess what? And then picture all the heavenly hosts. Picture, yeah. picture the faithful saints that have gone before you and picture all your brothers and sisters right now who are listening to this and who will ever listen to this, that that is what you already look like in the supernatural and in the spiritual realm. So I know when, when, when me and my homies got our kid on and we were ready to step off for our mission set, whatever our mission set was, like, dude, you better believe we had a swagger in our step. The mm -hmm. body of Christ ought to have a swagger in their step. Let not, we already talked about it, let the one who boasts, boast in this, that he has understanding to know me, the Lord God Almighty. And again, Daniel eleven thirty two. I can never say it enough. Those who know their God shall be strong and go forth and do exploits. And they overcome and they are more than conquerors. Why? Because the blood of the lamb has already assured it and their testimony is so stinking bold and they do not love their lives so much as they're afraid to lose it. Because literally, literally listen, what in the world is the worst thing that's ever going to happen to you, believer? You're going to get set free to glory? Okay. Absolutely. Like, yeah. seriously. <laughs> you get to go hang out with Jesus. Like, that's the worst thing you can do. The worst thing these globalists can do to me is, is spray me with chemicals from the sky and make me susceptible to COVID and I get sick for three weeks and die and go to glory. Okay, bring it on. Like, <laughs> honestly, that's it. Yeah. You know, so, so when you have that mindset, when you know that you're already dead, I'm all, I'm already a dead man in Christ, but I'm also alive in Christ Jesus. Dude, I, I am fearless. Some people used to ask me, actually they still do. Hey, were you scared when you went to work? Cause I was there in 2003 for the ground invasion, the march up to Baghdad to actually like take Baghdad. Uh, we were on the tip of the spear in the Marine Corps. And, uh, and we had a pretty high speed mission set, the unit that was in. And people always ask, were, were you, were you, were you scared? Was it scary for you? And I go, no, actually it wasn't at all. I, I, I do not remember a sense of fear. You know, I remember a compulsion to do things, but not a sense of fear. And they, and they say, how's that possible? And I said, because I, it was assumed that I wasn't coming home already. I, it was assumed that I was already a dead man. So I was free, man. I was free to fight hard. I was free to take risk. I was free to, I was free to lose it all. I was, free, I was free to wage it all because I had already assumed that it was a one-way trip and that nobody in our unit, because of what we, what we were doing, more specialized stuff, that none of us were coming home. So we were dead man walking anyways. So we were fearless. I mean, talk about a kingdom. There's a kingdom reality built into that. That we as yeah. 
which need to know and understand as being dead in Christ and yet alive in Christ as well. You're, you're, you should already know that you're dead to stuff. So when I see believers like, and usually they're obviously a lot of the baby boomer believers and stuff like that, man, it's so heartbreaking to see their response to this stupid virus thing, which I'm like, dude, if that's your response to this, this is nothing like right, this, is, right. this is a game. This is gamesmanship right here. This is nothing. If that's your, your fear response to this, What's going to happen when the big show shows up, you know, and I'm going, man, brother, sister, come on. You were you you weren't you you haven't even been given that spirit. You've been given a spirit of power, love and soundness of mind. The only one, the only place that should ever get your fear is the Lord God Almighty. He is jealous. He is a jealous God. He's even jealous for your fear. How dare you bestow it on a mainstream media talking points? How dare you bestow it on your physical health? Why are you clinging to this life so much? Do you not know that you're an alien in a foreign land? Are you not groaning inwardly, longing for a home that's not yet your own? If you're not, that should be a check to your spirit that there's something in this world that you've befriended and that you love more than the presence of your king. Dude, I'm, I want to go home now, bro. Like I'm, I love my wife. I love my kids. Lord Jesus, bring me home. I give anything to be with him. But And, and whatever he would have me do and t- until then, I'll, I'm obedient to that, but man, I long to be with the Lord. Yeah. You know, and I think about this too. I think about that exact thing. I feel the same way, man. I feel like there, there is a warrior spirit that the Lord puts on you, man, when you're called for something and he, cause he, he's called you and he's going to equip you for everything. And when I think about it, like the only thing that really just weighs on me, is like, you know, watching your family suffer. But then the, the thing that the spirit tells me is prioritize those weak points. Like if you're afraid that your kids aren't ready, make them ready. Yeah. Like there you go. You know, seal it up. Like that's where it is. So where you have these areas of fear, those are where you need to take the most action, take the authority, go in there, clean that up, seal it up. And, re- and, you know, and if you're getting, out. if your fears, if your irrational fears are getting exposed, guess what? Praise the Lord. That's an act of mercy. He, yeah, I, mean, let, let, I mean, praise God. If your identity is in your kids and you're so scared for your kids, praise God. That's an act of mercy. He's showing you that there's some things about him you're either believing or disbelieving. So let him expose those things, right? It's an affirmation of your sonship when he disciplines. And like, so don't go, oh my goodness, I'm such a failure because I'm so weak and pathetic. I wish my faith were stronger and blah, blah, blah. Why am I doing this? And why am I doing that? And what about my kids? And what about my kids? And what about my future? And I want to see them graduate and I want to see them go to prom. Go, okay, Lord, you're, whoa, Lord, you're exposing something in me. I didn't even know was in there until you, till I got pressed right now. Thank you, God for being gracious and merciful to expose me in that so that I can solidify myself in you. Lord, I know you love my kids more than I could ever love them. Lord, I know that you are good. And 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 where I'm disbelieving that you're good, help me in my unbelief to know and remember and understand that you're good and your love for them and, and how you dote over my children. And I don't need to be fearful for them because you love them more than I ever could. Lord, secure, help me to secure my identity in you because apparently it's in things of this world I didn't even realize how much I was clinging to the hope of things that I get to experience in the dissipations of this life that I actually really do want. I thought I was more mature than that. Lord, thank you for exposing that help to purge me of this type. So everything is an opportunity to champion and praise the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Everything is an opportunity to champion the gospel of Christ. Amen. 
Yeah, and it feels good to be purged too. You know, that's the thing. It's like once he starts showing you these things, you know, like I, I talk about it a lot because it's like a big deal for me this year. But I smoked for almost twenty years, man, and I know everybody else was con- really convicted about my sin. you shouldn't be smoking like oh really you know but you know i loved it i still i still would smoke right now i just don't choose not to you know what i mean because the lord has told me over and over and he's put that conviction in my heart that this is the time to get rid of everything that comes between he and i Right. Yeah. Anybody, anything, anything, any open door, because we're we're a threshing floor, man. We are a portal for the spirit to just move right through us and any spirit, you know, like if we quench the Holy Spirit with any of these things, any of these vices, then another spirit can move right in. Right. Yeah. We have to seal it up, man. And it's so critical. And especially we're looking at this time of Pentecost. We're right here. Dude. We just literally lived a actual Passover. Yeah. No you know? kidding. Yeah. And it's yeah. like if you're, if you're still one of those Christians, it's like this is not this is just coincidence. Then you're probably not going to make it because <laughs> literally the sign is are they're all oh the writing is on. We're watching the hand on the wall right now. You yeah, know, absolutely. I couldn't agree. I mean, you don't need to know that you don't need to have all this knowledge. You can literally tell like a lot of people are saying this and, and we're talking like well-researched people that thought we have a lot of time left. There's so many things that need to be checked off the list before we can be in times. And then one month goes by and everyone <laughs> yep. yeah, ahead and rip that paper up. We got to reevaluate because this yep. literally, went crazy and the world is now uh on the edge of just falling into the abyss you know it's like how did this stupid make-believe virus you know what i mean like how did it turn into this and destroy Dude, it, everything? it's accomplished so much it's accomplished more in the last six weeks than they could have done in 20 years otherwise and people people have just handed it to them oh yeah well, is, we talked about this in the very beginning. This next generation is the generation that the occult wants for everything, right? Yes, you told they me already that. have them. <laughs> yeah, they, well, I mean, they're weak. They have no, I mean, no offense if you're watching this, but most most of the generation does not have critical thinking skills. They cannot rationalize anything. Every, everything is like, yeah. it's crazy, but it's like, that is perfect. They're already uh, – they have a feed going on constantly. They're, they have no identity. You know, their identity is their likes and their little, yeah, you know, it is. Little, little, uh, credit score pretty much. But, I mean, when you look at transhumanism and you look at all these agendas of the occult, and this is the perfect, you know, victim, man. And, and, like, imagine – so a lot of the things that we said about our lives and how the prayers of our parents is what protected us and kept us in this little bubble. Right. Until we were a certain age, like once our parents generation and, and our grandparents generation is gone. That we are that, you know, we're the last hope for this next generation because, man, like and, they're and, gener- and where are they going to get it? They can't go to they can't go to, a, uh, you know, uh gospel coalition affiliated church they can't go to a southern baptist convention affiliated church they can't go to a new apostolic reformation 
Bethel Hillsong affiliated church. Where are they going to go to get the truth? I mean, yeah. the way of truth is coming to disrepute and a great apostasia, the great falling away is already, I mean, like there's, there, there's so few outlets for this next generation to actually be trained in the righteousness and in the fear of the Lord, to actually have a knowing of the Lord and to, and to, and to have a, a sincere, authentic desire to serve him and know, I mean, where are they going to get the truth, dude? It's like the pendulum swings on every, you know, social justice, NAR movement, blah, 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 blah. I mean, and, and there is no truth in the land. There's no truth in the land. Well, that's a, that's where the burden falls on us. And then yeah. you know, people like us, because we need, I believe this man with my whole heart. Once persecution hits, we will be underground. I mean, yeah. it's going to happen. The, the spirit of the, those, when the spirit of the Lord falls on us and empowers us for this great revival, this last harvest, the enemy's plan will be in full force, man. It, you know, the, he knows his time is short. Yeah, and it just, and we thrive under persecution. The faith thrives under. Look at China; they they come down on these Chinese Christians. They're killing them, and dude, and the thing blows up. You know what I mean? Right. Like around church, the numbers in China. We talked to Doug Krieger about Nigeria and all these places where you're, you're seeing millions of people show up for events for Christian events when the average life expectancy is 72 hours for a Christian. I mean, you know, like. And we're sitting here. God's got his hand on America, man. He does. In America, there will be a time when the Lord removes his hand. Absolutely. Absolutely. When Samson, when he finally cuts his hair, it says the Lord left him. Yep. Right? Ichabod, Ichabod, I think, has already been written over our nation. Yeah. I mean, like this is like a thing, you know? I don't want to speak negative things out, out there right now because I know I understand the power of the word and, this, and the power of the tongue and, and how we are to be speaking life and not death. But there is a reality behind this, you know, that you have to speak like persecution will lead to this last move of God. That's it. Right. So we're going to see both. We're going to see this negative, but it's not negative. It's negative in a worldly sense. In a world, in the world's eyes, in the world's perspective, the one that we've been living under for so long. But when we have eyes that are, you know, the, the transforming eyes that come with spirit, when you ignite, when you uh, unite spirit and truth, you you start to see with his eyes, right? And that is what eyes to see and ears to hear means. Those eyes are what when you can look and you can see the harvest, as opposed to the destruction coming upon the earth mm -hmm. because I mean, these were battlefield medics, you know, like you said before, we're going to be the ones in the battlefield dragging out our, our buddies and fighting yeah. off uh, the enemy. You know, what was that? What was that show that was just recently out? The, uh, the military, it was like world war one where the guy refused to shoot. No, he went on the battle. Uh, um, is it ha hacksaw Ridge? hacksaw Ridge? Oh man. Yeah. That is amazing. Just him like all throughout the night saying, God, just give me the strength to get one more. God, just yeah. give me the strength to get one more. I mean, and it, we're talking about these, like this thing with like the different parts of the body. If you don't feel like you're a warrior, maybe you're that person that's going out there. Exactly. That's, God, let me just help me get one more. Yeah. You know, you're a medic. You could be, you know, in communication, prayer. I mean, find out what God, where, where God wants you to be. Or yeah. Supply train. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of jobs in the military that's need to accomplish the, the mission objective, you know? 
Not everybody's a, a trigger puller. Actually, very, very few people in the military actually ever pull a trigger. And everybody else is just as critical as the last one to accomplish the mission, you know. But when you're and out on the battlefield, though, Jamie, when you're out on the battlefield, though, they still make you gear up and you're still carrying your gun, though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You yep. should still be wearing that armor just in case you yep. get, a, get that sneak right. attack. Yeah. You know, We, you know, I did a thing on, I did a video a couple weeks ago on uh, Schindler's List, and like, it's so powerful when you watch these clips. For me, like, I just feel the emotion. I mean, that's the whole point, right? The visual emotions that that, that come from a movie, but like, the scenes where, you know, you, they're they're like thinking. Have you ever seen Schindler's List? I'm sure you have. They're giving him the, they're giving him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he froze up on me. It's all yeah. these people watching Netflix right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, right. they're trying to give everything to show their appreciation for this. And he starts weeping because he's like, he <laughs> sees the gifts as um, through another set of values, right? He's like, these are lives. This is this, this car that I'm driving away in is five more people that I could have saved. And you know, this ring is two more people. That's seven people that I could have saved. Like, and he starts crying and you're like, man, I don't think about my, my, the things that I have in with that perspective. Yeah. And how many, I mean, that's a life changing perspective. And like, you've been on the mission field. I remember when I was uh, 16, I went on a missions trip. And when I came back, I, I literally had, it changes you, man. Like when you see, I went to Juarez, Mexico, which it's really bad now, but it was still poor then. It's not, it wasn't drugs and beheadings and all that stuff like it is now, but people were living with no running water with tarps over their houses and nothing. A lot of them didn't even have shoes, but they were the happiest people, you know, and just crazy circumstances. And we come home and we're complaining about the stupidest crap you can think of when, oh, yeah. you know, when you come back and you're like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever, my kids complain about food. And I mean, I'm trying to like, you know, yeah, you don't like this cereal. It's like, okay, how about how the other five kinds we have in the pantry? You know, when there are kids out there that literally are dying mm -hmm. in our own country that can't eat because they don't even have cereal. You know, it's like this bubble that has been on America, praise God, but it's going away. You know, it it will leave and destruction will come to this place. And we, the three of us and the ones in the chat and the people that are listening to this show that are digging in and trying to get trained for war, we're going to be the ones that have to go out and bring life back to this death that's all around us, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I look at it, you know, I've been a paramedic for a long time and was on a technical rescue team deployable and all this other high speed stuff. But, you know, I, I say all the time is that we, we were used to, to performing resuscitation. Right. And so people talk about revival, revival, revival all the time. And I'm like, dude, you can't revive something that's dead. It needs to be resuscitated. In fact, it needs to be resurrected. It needs to turn to the resurrection, which is Jesus Christ. So yeah, there is, there is a mandate, a weighty mandate that, 
that we need to apply, you know, that emergency medical care. And that's what it is. Emergency medical emergency medical care to, to actually resuscitate the body of Christ, resuscitate the believers in God who are weak, need, and timorous, resuscitate those who have been double-minded and, and succumb to the dissipation of this life, who, who, who have allowed the anxieties of this life to weigh them down. We need to resuscitate them and get them back in the fight because there is a great harvest and he who wins souls is wise. And the Lord has a good work for us to be doing in this late dark hour. Yeah. Amen. Well, <laughs> amen, man. This was, this was awesome. Um, this was great. We definitely want to have you back on because I, I just love having conversations with brothers, man. Like that's the yeah, whole man. point of the, uh, just the discussion and people in the chat and we know it's late, but you know, there's hungry people out there and we got to use this time wisely because we are not going to be, I got praise report. I got two strikes against my channel last week. <laughs> and yeah. One for a video that was from two years ago. And the other one was for something, you know, that I just recently put up. Both of them had one thing in common, Nazi propaganda in both videos, both videos. <laughs> Yeah, you know, both of them pulled down. I mean, when you look at what's going on, if this is not socialism, you know, yeah, then you know, and and propaganda, and also, you know, one video that I got pulled was the Smith Munt Act, talking about that propaganda. You know, I mean, it's clear as day, you know, and and praise God, I prayed about it and I I went after it on uh, YouTube and got them both back. For the most part, I got my strikes removed, so that's good. But the reality is this channel is on YouTube. <laughs> you know what I mean? So at any point, everything could be lost. Right. So yeah. are we making real disciples? Is there something tangible coming from all this? That's the main thing. It's like, what are we leaving behind? Because, yeah, we can move to another platform and we will. I mean, that's always the goal. But, like, there's things that we can be doing right now because – no, no. I was having this problem like the last three weeks. <laughs> now it's him. It's evident. Yes. That's a good face for it to freeze on. <laughs> and he's none the wiser. No, he doesn't know. Just wait for him to come back. Yeah. <laughs> he's probably just keep going. Uh, let's see if he comes back. Hopefully he doesn't drop out. All right. Well. Well, and we, and we can wrap it up too. I mean, it it is getting late, and I know that I'm I'm fading. But I just praise the Lord for the opportunity to fellowship with you know all the our brothers and sisters out there. And it really is about the body of Christ. The body of Christ is beautiful, is vibrant, it's awesome. When you've tasted the and experienced the authentic body of Christ, nothing, else, no substitute will ever will ever suffice. You know, and I ran the gamut of playing church and longing, longing, longing for authentic camaraderie and esprit de corps. And it was nowhere to be found. So I just thank you guys for the opportunity for having me on and to be able to just talk about the Lord. It's Malachi 3, 16 through 4, 3. That's, that's my life verse. It says, then those who fear the Lord were found talking with one another. That's it. Yeah. And the Lord heard and the Lord remembered. And a scroll was written in his presence concerning those who revered him and who feared his name. And he says, in that day, they will make up my treasured possession. You will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, 
between those who serve me and those who do not, you know, and it's talking about in that day, like the generation, the time of the end. So I just always think how amazing it is in its simplicity, going back to the simplicity of the gospel, just brothers and sisters who fear the Lord are found talking about them. That's, that's it. It's like, <laughs> I hear you. I see you. I'm writing your name in a scroll of remembrance, you know? Amen. So that's, that's a good, good word. So thanks for having me on for sure. And just for um, loving the Lord. And I praise the Lord for your guys' testimony in your lives and his work in your lives. And, and uh, I don't know why any of us gets to know him or how any of us received him as the way, the truth and the life. But uh, because we bring nothing to the table, all we can do is say, praise the Lord. I don't know. Why Amen. <laughs> so just one more question before we go out. Cause I, he's got all the controls for it. So I'm gonna try to give him a minute. Cause if not, this will just keep going forever. I mean, <laughs> we can, we can always leave, but um, I was going to, somebody did come up and they ask about, um, is there a ministry for women that you are aware of? You know, cause I guess I think your book is good for everybody as far yeah. as, so it, it's not just dictated no. towards men. No, it's not, it's not generate. It's in, in fact, it's, it's the opposite. I, it's, uh, I would say that 85% of the body members that this resonates with are women because they get it. They, yeah. they're, they're way more inclined to the warrior spirit than the men of God ever are sadly. And so, um, no, this, I mean, this is, it's for the body. It has nothing to do with men or women or anything else like that. It's just the body and the, the women's role is no different than, than the men's other than, you know, being the high priest of a household. That's a particular, particular to, to the men, but everything else is, is, um, it's just the body of Christ being the body of Christ. And like he was talking about the, the different body, you know, the parts of the body, the gifts of the body, the gifts of the spirit. Um, I mean, look at Christ, who Christ was surrounded by. It's, it's the gender stuff has no place in the body of Christ, you know, apart from being obedient to particular edicts, you know, and ways of managing church and stuff like that. But like, it's just the body, man. We, 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 are to rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn and, and worship and share everything in common and, and fight the good fight right next to one another. Again, it has nothing to do with our physical prowess, physical state, our past lives or what we think we're going to be doing in the future. It's all about Christ in us, period. <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to get a hold of him and have him shut this down. But <laughs> so you'll probably just have to click leave the studio on here when we go to close out. But I want you to give, um, let everybody know the name of the book, where to, where to get it. And then if you still have openings for the yep. Warriors Retreat. And yep. so if you want to let them know where to go, we were posting it up in the chat. I'll post it back up again for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they can find uh, all my, my stuff or contact me or reach out at omegadynamics.org. That's omegadynamics.org. Um, that's where you can find the book and other things. And also, uh, right when you go there, I kind of rework the website to where it takes you right to the Warrior Summit and Retreat information. So you can get the detail about that. It's all inclusive and it'll be an awesome time of fellowship and uh, and some great facilitators there with us as well, too. So that's the Warrior Summit and Retreat in September uh, 4th through the 7th, Labor Day weekend. So, yeah, they can they can find everything there, man, omegadynamics.org. Awesome, awesome. I'm kind of partial because God told me to create my channel, which was Omega Chronicles. Oh, so yeah. I'm kind of partial to the Omega Dynamics. When I yeah, saw that man. when you're posting, I'm like, oh, okay, I see. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, Jamie, again, thanks so much for being on. And, um, we really appreciate, and it was great, great con content, great comments, great 
I mean, you just hammered so much stuff so fast. I, I love it. So I'm going to have to rewatch this again just so I can catch up. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, we'll definitely have you on again here soon. And hopefully, you know, Ian won't have, who knows what, it probably had some kind of internet outage or something. I'm glad right. it's still streaming. So, but thank you again. And thanks everybody in the chat. Don't forget, like, thumbs up, share the video, rewatch it, you know, all that stuff to help defeat the, you know, YouTube algorithm and all the powers that be. So. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, again, thank you so much. You got anything you want to close out with? You... No, I just seek the Lord's face while it may be found and go out worshiping him like Jehoshaphat did in Second Chronicles 20. Just worship the Lord. He's so good. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you guys again. Have a blessed night and uh, we'll see you guys again next Wednesday. Same time, same space. See you guys. <laughs>